Bearcat Bounce Podcast. Back at it again. Happy Monday, guys. It's a uh, it's a Monday following a fun, thrilling weekend that brought not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six. Six of the BCJ faithful there in attendance at beautiful, historic Nippert Stadium to take in one said scrimmage of the fall practice. Coach Scott Satterfield in year one. It was a dandy, a dandy, I tell you. We're going to rehash that here. And, of course, also it's a Monday following week one of the preseason in the NFL. Plenty of Bearcats in the NFL. The hashtag. That's right. A-A-Ron, the hashtag. It's also a Monday following another week down in the books, getting ready for basketball season. A little bit of a leakage of the non-conference slate for West Miller heading into year three. And, of course, it's also a Monday, kind of an interesting Monday, a Monday where one is at volleyball practice, getting ready to return and join. Another is joining the BBP for the first time after writing beautiful article after beautiful article on the BCJ. And then another who is here freshly eating pasta done full and another back in Athens after a week in the nasty. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome in two of those guys, only two so far. That's right. Aaron Smith, Ryan Royer, gentlemen, how are we? I'm doing all right. Uh, like you said, uh, it was a weekend, not a week in Cincy for me. Um, just weekend, just yes, correct. a couple days. I okay. uh, got some family time, got B with some grandma time, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, also got to bring a couple of these back home. Woo! So hey. I have my first of those too. Oh yeah, yeah. What'd you think? I like it, man. It's a more flavorful light beer. I kind of it contributes I agree. to a little bit of a like a Miller Light Heineken mashup a little oh, bit. Wow. Just to like, yeah. I don't know. I I like it. Grant, I don't know if I could drink like eight of them, but I could drink like two or three and just relax with them. Well, you're you're generally not a beer guy though. You're more of a Tequila guy, right? <laughs> I do love beer. I have to admit, but okay. <laughs> just you're telling me a, a crisp fall afternoon, you're not going to crack down and, and bury 15 of those before heading into the historic <laughs> Nippert Stadium. Come on now. Maybe on my way into uh, Morgantown, man. That that's a beer weekend. I Morgantown's going to be a beer week. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Pittsburgh 12.99 is robbery. <laughs> for a 12 pack oh, Ryan guys did yeah. it again though it's it's great I love it and you got the little Easter egg on the bottom too that's good that was awesome mm-hmm. I that was drinking out of the tap though I, and I went out of the tap one out of the can I, taps obviously better where were you, were you at Ryan guys it? itself or I was at the oak the oak, the oak tap, somewhere in Oakland I don't know what the hell the place is called the oak good chicken wings the at oak. the oak yeah I didn't I, I don't. I think I got there in the kitchen clothes. I didn't. Pretty sure that's a Cleveland Brownies bar, if I'm not uh, is it? mistaken. Yeah. I know Mio's is Brownbacker. Okay. Oh yeah. baby. Oh baby. The don't get me started, man. The pain. Don't get I've you seen started. The pain. The pain. But uh, Aaron, what are your thoughts on the old, the old crispy Cincy light? How many did you take down this weekend? Um, I think between the two nights I was drinking, the better part of a twelve pack, but. Oh. I wasn't trying to get – I was hanging out with family. I wasn't trying to forget my name or anything. So, I mean, 
every day that ends in Y is a good day to forget your name. I'll tell you that much. Those, but uh, those, those you're not sneak up on you with the family, though. Yes. It was. It was you know, you're just, the drunk uncle. Just relaxed. Yeah. I didn't. I've been that. I didn't need that this weekend. I witnessed the drunk uncle one time. It was spectacular. Oh, <laughs> it was spectacular. Man. The man was looking at the sky. Just, just. Was it uh Was <laughs> it the uh, <laughs> the night at where at Chad and uh, for Kelly? No, <laughs> that was a different night. <laughs> that was a oh, different there's, there's more. Multiple. Multiple. We'll call it numerous occasions. Not one, not two, not three, not four. But, yeah, um, it was fun. Yeah, Matt Lanham agreed. Best chicken wings at the Oak. Pretty doggone good. Had them there one time. But, um, yeah, I, I still haven't tried since he led. I'm excited to to bury my uh, my face in, in numerous cans as the uh, as the fall continues to engineer. Aaron, I didn't go there. But, um, you know what, guys? Fall is near. It, Felt it a little bit outside today. It was, it was crisp here in India. I don't know what the temp was there in Cincy or all the way in Athens, but fall was in the air. Even though it'll be 90s next week, you know, obviously the way the Midwest does things, but you can really, really tell it's football season. Two weeks from this Saturday, the Bearcats will be back out there on the football field. We are going to have uh, Keegan Nickerson on later, as well as Chad joining the squad after he gets done with whatever volleyball situation he's got going but uh you know man it's 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 a good time as ever to to dive in and and really really bury ourselves and and what is going to be all football talk especially leading into that uh, first week one but Royer this weekend was also you know what what signifies to you the beginning of football is it is it when you get when the team goes to higher ground is it is it the uh the hall of fame game there in Canton is it Maybe the week zero, as they call it now in college football. What what really signifies the, the, the start of football for you? For me, I mean, like, I, well, football is year round in college, so yeah. you you that first excitement really hits is when you see the first like uh, high school game and then college game because now they line up. And they're like, wow, football's back. I don't know why that the can game never really like gets it going for me, but kind of seeing you know high school and college football get going that's when i really feel that uh that the season's really here man and it's the after that what is it now like was it 13 the best 13 weeks of the year oh baby so, the best absolutely yeah god damn we're back what about you aaron is it is, is it the first time you hear the uh that that tune on the old hard knocks on hbo or the max as they call it now is it is it maybe when uh when the ball is snapped at at that first you know fall camp practice what what signifies the start of football for you aaron when i make it to higher ground at this point that's that's for me when when i get out there and I'm like that's it's it's all starting at that point, right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, the reason why I say this is because the start of football gets you too excited. Sometimes when you get too excited, you might, you know, dive into a pothole. You might you might scuff up the side of a rim. You might you might hurt the front carriage of your beautiful Grand Am. And before you know it, you're gonna have to get some fixings done. You're gonna have to head over to Danco Transmission and Auto Care. That's right, Danco Joe will hook you up. He's gonna he's gonna get you ready for football time, get you ready for the tailgates, get you ready for the trip. You go beautiful Clifton, you get ready to watch the Bearcats in year one of the Big 12, year one with Coach Scott Satterfield, year one with Emory Jones at quarterback. That's right, 
head on over to Danco Transmission Out of Care. Mention Ryan, Aaron, Chad, Keegan, Reagan, Dave. Mention them all. Just say that uh, BCJ sent you, the BBP sent you, and uh, Danco Transmission Out of Care. $10 off next oil change, 10% off your next fixing. Hit them up. Danco Transmission and Out of Care. But Royer, that's right. Uh, a whole ensemble of uh, BCJ faithful was in attendance at Nippert this past Saturday. You tried to make it, uh, but, you know, things happen here and there. But you're going to be able to get your uh, your glimpse of the Bearcats without, you know, here soon, especially EKU, less than three weeks away. It's insane. But kind of what have you been able to, to, to really feel as, just kind of as an observer, and then do you have any questions kind of to pose to the class? You know, let let you be teacher for the time being. Let you let you step up to the podium and uh, throw out some uh, some dingers to us. So I I I've been mentioning this. I just kind of feel like some just positive momentum building uh, week after week. You know, just seeing seeing things, hearing things about guys, coaches everyone kind of stepping up and rising to the occasion, everyone getting better, getting comfortable. Um, so that's, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm just, you know, but still part of me is just nervous, you know, cause you don't know, you don't know these guys, you don't know a lot of the players. You don't know a lot of the coaches. You do have, you don't know what you don't know. There. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, you know, you're, you're nervous, man, especially being an alumni. Like you want your team to be like, you want them to win. You want them to play well, have a good culture and, you know, represent your team. Um, I'm confident they will, but you know, it's just the unknown. Um, and being that I, you know, I can't make it out to higher ground. I got to work in my damn cubicle, you know, you know how much I love that shit. So, uh, I don't get to go see it and kind of watch ball and kind of see guys go out there and like see who the, the real ball players are, the guys who are the budding stars, you know, and that kind of leads me into, I guess, question one I, I was kind of having is who, who are the, the up and coming guys like? who are your future stars of the team? And I, if you could give me like transfer wise and then like young guy wise. Okay. So, okay. Aaron, I'll, I'll pass down to you for that first. Well, I'm going to go with the layup, the easy one. Um, Brayden was, yeah. Yeah. Brayden, easy last name. We're family. Come on, man. Uh, <laughs> but Brayden is electric. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that he is, also on being looked at as a kick returner um, or at least punt returner, if not both. Um, anytime he's got the ball in his hands, uh, he is he's trying to do something. And more often than not, he's doing something. We've even seen highlights since the scrimmage where he has been there at the deep ball and he, he's been getting shit done. So it's it's been good to see the a guy that came with them from Louisville already just injecting himself into the system. He was late uh, as he was not here during uh, spring practice and uh, just him being able to seemingly pick up the offense from where he left off at Louisville uh, has been nothing short of uh, fun to watch. Um, And then another name I'll throw out as I'm on the receivers and I'll, I'll let you go after this Brent uh, Xavier Henderson. Uh, Xavier Henderson. We'll make sure to pronounce both the X and the Z as he as he spells it, not as the Muskies do. Uh, but 
he's going to be a guy, again, just gets that separation, especially late in the go route. Um, he's taller than I anticipated, I guess. Um, kind of reminds me of um, the kid from last year. Uh, help me out here, Brent. The, oh, uh, oh, from, from Hawaii. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, but another player that is just – fun to watch gets that separation and has been making plays all over the place already so um good to see and and he has been taking some snaps at the gunner spot so uh i know we are a big gunner podcast we are gunner's podcast yes correct hi keegan so are you talking about nick mardner yes that was the name i was looking for thank you marcus hit me in the uh in the chat so Nicky Martiner took his talents to Auburn. How yeah. how how quickly he was here. A cup of coffee, if you will. I mean, shoot, he, he was I, – I liked his game. I, think, I feel like maybe a little underutilized at times. But, hey, you know what? It is what it is. Um, but, yeah, Nick Martiner, just a, a beast at wide receiver. But, Keegan, welcome on to the BBP for the first time. You made a quick change. New setting. You look great. Keegan, how are we? Good. I was having some Wi-Fi issues, so I'm here. I'm ready to talk about camp. I'm excited. There we go. Uh, Ryan hit us with a good question opening-wise. You know, we're kind of going to let Ryan take the podium, kind of throw out questions, and then I'm going to get you also some uh, some more to uh, tag on at the end. The first question was transfers and young players. Who's a potential rising star, whether it be this year or Years upcoming, Aaron mentioned Braden Smith, obviously. And then, of course, just mentioned Xavier Henderson, who, I mean, that, that was one thing I thought too, Aaron, was he's a lot taller than I thought. You know, I thought mm-hmm. Donovan Ali was going to be the taller of the two. That's not the case. I, Xavier Henderson sticks out height-wise. Uh, you know, he's a little slight, but he's definitely extremely fast, extremely athletic, but he's he's tall. He is tall. Um, and... Uh, Keegan, I'll let you take it. I've got a couple of names I'll I'll kind of hold back, but uh, yeah, go ahead. I think I, I like the Xavier Henderson idea. I think um, he's been mainly working with the second strings so far in camp, but I think this opportunity with D. Wiggins and Evan Prater kind of nursing injuries, it's going to be a big big week for him trying to learn the scheme and show that he can really contribute on that first string with Emory Jones. I think on the defensive side, a transfer that's not getting talked a lot and has been trending up, especially the past week, is – DJ Taylor at safety. He had a really, really good day today uh, rushing the passer. He was very good. I think he had a sack. And then in coverage, he's been really good. I mean, it's it's a power five type defensive back. And I, I think that's the main thing when a lot of people take shots at this team, if they're going to be able to contribute to power five or not. But they have a lot of transfers that have a ton of power five experience. Pick so six on Saturday as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think kind of shifting into that power five, it's it's just going to be smooth in terms of them being able to compete at that level. Um, and then Jordan Young, I think he carries himself with a real veteran attitude. And um, he is a chance to be a lockdown corner for this team. He's getting a lot of good work against Braden Smith, D. Wiggins, D. Wiggins and Xavier Henderson. So I think at that lockdown spot, Jordan Young could have a really good year. I'm going to roll out, and I mean, obviously his name's known because it, he's a starter and he's been talked about a lot, but Dorian Jones, man, he had a couple mm-hmm. hits on Saturday that you could hear pretty pretty loud and clear. Uh, you you hear him on in, in a packed nippered as well. 
Um, the way he, he's a thumper, man, the way he comes in and, and kind of just lays the boom, Brian, you'll like that. That's a, yeah. he's, he, he's an aggressive hitter. He's, you know, they, they nicknamed Debo. So that kind of explains him, but he's going to be a guy that obviously rushes the passer and it kind of fits that aggressive coach Brown scheme. And obviously come from Louisville, he, he was a step ahead of everyone else on the defense. He continues to really carry that torch. Um, Let's let's roll into to, to younger players that have caught your eyes, and I was only there on Saturday, and I've just been reading your reports, Keegan, and, and Chad's reports, and listening to to uh, you know different interviews and, and podcasts and nightcaps. But I, I mean, how can you not be excited for the future potential of Brady Drogosh, man? I like for for me when it comes to college quarterbacks, I love a quarterback that looks like like the BMOC that that just has that look to him that like. Yeah, that guy's a quarterback. And that's exactly what Brady Drogosh is. How did you just rip off the, the acronym like that? <laughs> man, come on now. Were you, listen, were you listening to Shane Gillis' podcast today? No, I was not. Why was he? He literally said the same shit. He was repping he was ripping the BMOC, and I was like, who says that? And really? Of course you, you know, you're ripping it now. So. The big man on campus, baby. I, yeah. That was that goes all the way back to high school for me. We were all like, we are all BMOC <laughs> football players. After you went to right. your uh, your manners, your manners school. Yeah, Cotillion school. Yeah, Cotillion. <laughs> hey, hey man, you learn a lot at those things. I'll tell you that much. You learn how to be the big man at the table. <laughs> yeah, I, hey, I used to, I used to spill night shit night. all over me. My whole shirt was just covered. And so my parents said, you're going to Cotillion. You learn how to dance. I got the foxtrot. I got the tango. I got oh. I swing. I can do it all. But uh, He knows yeah. what to do with that third fork and that third spoon that no one else has a clue what to do with. <laughs> you know when you're scooping out like the very end of your soup, you know? You like feel like you might want to scoop like 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 that, you know, but no, you're supposed to tilt the bowl away from you, and scoop away from you, and then go like that. No, I just I lose a silverware and I drink it out of the bowl. That's the the way to do it. Let's be honest, I haven't done the away from me scoop since Cotillion, so it was uh, money well spent, mom and dad. Thank you. Um, And Ryan just eats soup with his hands. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Say, say, <laughs> say good, good soup. Good soup. Soup's really good. Good soup. But uh, but let's go. Let's go. Young players catching eyes. Brady Drogosh, baby. I uh, tell you what, man. That Ryan, ninety-nine yard run, and he didn't even get touched. The dude torched people. Sure, maybe he got a fingertip on him, and maybe a, a push into the end zone at the end. But I mean, the dude's got wheels. He uh, he looks good throwing the football. Um, I'm sure you know. Obviously, that's the, that's a development for any young quarterback. Is is wait, you know, wait, wait. just touch. Was the touchdown on the twos or the threes? It's a critical question. I was probably a mix of the twos and threes. Okay, definitely. Yes. I know. I know the threes, and if you're outrunning the threes, <laughs> then it's not. Too much height, well, it's right. I mean, if this if this helps you out, uh, Taj Ward. Three, so I can say it. Taj Ward got a hand on him at about the the five. Uh, as he was going into the end zone, who was and, blocking for him on that play? Because someone laid a pretty good block at like the thirty. Yeah, yeah there was someone all the way down there. I, I was on the complete opposite end, like yeah. at the goal line where they were going from. So I didn't see the end, but I was like, "Wow, that guy's fast." But well, no, I didn't Taj, see who was Taj blocking. Can, but Taj can move, man. So if he's keeping Taj. At I'm sorry, it wasn't Taj. It I was Taj. It was Todd, Todd Bumpus. 
Pop yeah. Bumpus. Yeah. Yeah, they both he can move too. So but, but he's uh, not running he's, with the threes, is my point. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Bryce Burton was in at middle linebacker. He, he outran him to the right. So. <laughs> oh, but, shit. Uh, <laughs> now we're talking some ball, man. We're nah, some but, serious uh, ball, man. But, no, I, I mean, that was impressive within itself. But he, he just has that kind of confidence, that kind of, like, air about him where, you know, I mean, it, sure, it's, it's going to be a growing process. But when you've got, like, a young, exciting player like that and, you know, you got four games to burn before, you know, burning the red shirt, I, I'm sure we'll see a lot mm. of moments of him where – Wow, like flash plays. We might see, you know, a little little bonehead play here and there, just a just a freshman play, if you will. But overall, I was I walked away even more impressed than I was coming into it, and I was already impressed with Brady Drogosh from from the jump. I think the interesting thing about him is if Pete Thomas can bring him along, because mm-hmm. the thing about Brady is his ceiling. His ceiling is so incredibly high. Right. right. If he can go under Pete Thomas's wing and he can develop Brady Drogosh into a really good quarterback. The launching pad for Pete Thomas's career is just going to go through the ceiling. Oh yeah. We're talking offensive coordinator jobs, potentially like NFL jobs, head coaching jobs. But so if he can really just bring all that together and tie Brady Drogosh up, I think every, the, the impact that can have is like endless. Well, even so he's able to turn Emory into a really mm-hmm. strong final year. At, you know, yeah. close out his career the way that many anticipated him to start it. So, yeah, Pete Thomas has a lot of upside. And you interviewed Pete today, so mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a good segue there. But how, how about younger uh, younger dudes that, that have kind of caught your eye, Keegan, in the air, and we'll, we'll shift down to you. He's not necessarily a younger dude, but it's more of a guy that we've seen very little of. And I think Miles Montgomery, as Aaron said it on Saturday, can be that Jerome Ford for this team. Like one cut breakaway speed and he's gone. I've seen it probably four to five times in fall camp where he hits a hole and then he's got, he's down the sideline or he's through the middle of the defense, just running to the end zone. I All think right. I got, I got a question for you on that run Keegan, because Chad brought it up on Saturday night when we did our nightcap, he said that there was supposedly from, he heard from the sideline from a good source that there was a hold by the offensive line on that play. And I the said, defensive sideline. My, my, my retort to that is there were six refs out there, and I saw no yellow flags. So if you're going to bring in refs, and then you're still going to try and say that there was a penalty on it, look, man, I don't believe there was a penalty in my estimation if it's not called when you have six refs out there. Especially in, in a game where the, the flags are being thrown just about as much as you know a Luke Fickle coach game. So – those those flags are getting getting tossed out quite a lot. I could oh, see that's a that, yeah, I could see that being a legitimate argument if every holding is called on every play that has ever played in football. There's holding every like, play. Yes, that's like people say there's holding every play, and there's probably holding on the majority of rushing plays. Especially- the only reason I brought it up was because there was a hole the size of Texas that he ran through that was allegedly – I did not see six, it. I just – Six reps. If you, if, look, six I'm, reps. Just, I'm just telling you what was relayed to me by one of the great broadcasters of our generation. If Dan Horde says there was a hold on the play, then there was probably a hold on the play. I was going to say I didn't know Brian Brown was in broadcasting too, but yeah. <laughs> It's like if Joey Votto doesn't swing, it's not a strike. Right. Exactly. I mean, I'm just saying. Like, yeah, Miles Montgomery hit 
the giant hole and ran through it and ran for a touchdown. And you guys know I'm a Miles Montgomery guy. I love Miles Montgomery. If yeah. there hadn't been, if there hadn't been, I, I think there were probably a good 12, 15 flags thrown that day on 120. <laughs> pl- okay, so there you go. Actual number on 120 plays. It wasn't as if they weren't calling penalties. I'm just telling you, somebody that was on the other side that saw a different angle than we did felt that there was a hole. Now that I heard that Dan Horde said it, I might have to reconsider. He's going to get fined now. Way to go. Did Jim Kelly agree? <laughs> Uh, Jim wasn't standing with Dan at that point, I don't think. So, um, so we'll never, we'll never know. know. We'll never Jim know. was on the other side of the field, I think. So, it is what it is. Like it's, it's not a big deal. It's a scrimmage. It's a great sorry, run. I, I did interrupt your whole train of thought on Miles. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I was pretty. Leave? <laughs> yeah, he, he just came in to to chastise me for saying he'll Miles be back. Like he'll be back. <laughs> God bless. I've been sitting here for like 15 he's, minutes. He's, yeah, he's been, he's been in the waiting room. Just he, I'm he's been Keegan tra- Cook. Like we we invited Keegan on. I'm letting him get his run. Like it's you know. Chad was sitting back and being like, "Look at what I'm doing here." At I'm just saying, as as a producer, I have been in text contact with Chad, making sure he didn't want in. Look at what I've done with this BCJ. No, but I, I was pretty much done. Uh, but I think he has a very legitimate chance. I, I think he's going to end up being the bell cow, and then yeah. Corey Kiner is going to be the big package, short yardage guy, which he should be. And he's also made a lot of uh, progress in the receiving game about Kiner has. So I think, I mean, the 14-yard run he had in the, that overtime period Saturday was awesome. So I think I think it's a really good two-headed monster that they have running the ball. Um did you watch any of, of Miles' high school tape back in the day, Keegan? No, but all I know is that he was super fast. It, like, it, it was like weird. So, so like he would always have that burst and stuff, but it never seemed like he hit that, you know, fifth gear as much as you would expect him to. But he did it on the seventy-five yard run. He had another long one today that you're mentioning. So it's it's sounding like he has developed that part of his game as well, yeah. kind of that home run hitting mentality. Yeah, he said today that that's his fastball. He talked about like the fastballs of all the running backs, like doing mm-hmm. the thing that you do best. And he just talked about his burst as his fastball. Oh yeah. And Aaron, go ahead, youngster. That that's kind of caught your eye. Well, I'm gonna go to the other side of the ball. And the two guys that I wanted to point out were actually. Uh, young Kalen Carroll and okay. Oliver Bridges, uh, because between the two practices that I've been to, um, each of them has had an interception. Each of them has had a pass breakup. And honestly, Kalen Carroll probably should have had a second interception instead of a pass breakup, should have gone for pick six during the scrimmage. Um, he just kind of kind of showed why he's a cornerback instead of a receiver. Um, you know, and that'll happen from time to time. But uh, at, at the end of the day, these two young kids are making plays for a secondary that we weren't really sure what we had between the ones on the secondary. And now even with the twos, we weren't sure what the depth was going to look like at the secondary. Um, and some OLIs I had um, on that note were also uh, Ken Willis and what he's been doing at the star position. And also uh, the run that Tyler Gillison has been getting uh, with the ones and the twos. I agree. Chad, you want to hop in? Give us some names real quick. No, I'm good. All right. Royer. 
Royer. <laughs> um, transfer a guy that I I uh, have been you know I don't know what his role will end up being because Dorian Jones and um, and Jack Dingle are are pretty entrenched in those two middle linebacker spots. Mm-hmm. But Deion Hunter has been flashing with the with the ones when he's had a chance, mostly with the twos. Uh, so that's a transfer name that I just you know maybe a lot of people aren't um, aren't really talking much about that I think could have you know a a contributing role uh, as the season goes on. Um, young guys, uh, Jamal Williams has really started to turn the corner. And, and make some plays. Um, the, the thing I want to see from Jamal Moore is consistency. He had one huge day and then has kind of, you know, been uh, sporadic since then. So I want to see a little bit more consistency from him. Um, I agree with Gillison. Both of those guys have, uh, have, have flashed uh, a little bit. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a name out there that I was talking to some people about today that uh, it sounds like the staff is uh, growing in their their belief and trust in a young tackle, and that is Ethan Green, who has been the second team right tackle for a couple days now, um, and Big they dude. like they like the size, they like the way he can move. He's a wrestler, so he's got that toughness. Um, He's I'm going deep. Yeah, I'm going deep cut here because I I don't know that it's going to be this year that we see that from him. But I do think uh, there's a chance that that down the road, I the other I, they're also very high on Evan Tengistall, uh in terms of young offensive linemen. So uh, there's a couple names uh, in the trenches for the people. Evan Tengistall, very uh, physical, if you will. Um, plays through the whistle, if you will. Uh, Correct. About that. Um, Chelsea, real quick, asking about uh, Ryan Montgomery. Uh, just a model. He's been, he's been the number one back with the twos. Um, I think the 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 running style, the running system, is a little bit more suited to Kai, uh, Corey and uh, and Miles. But uh, what do we know about Ryan? Montgomery and, and Royer will attest to this. He hasn't been given much of a shot like preseason in any of his years here. And he just consistently seems to find a way to get the job done. Yep. So you I'm like, not counting you like out use the term Montgomery. cockroach. Yeah. It's like like Jarrell White. Like they tried to they tried to go, they tried Jarrell's too small. We're gonna try mm-hmm. somebody else there. Like and and every year Jarrell White was just you know, a monster leading the team in tackles. So uh, he definitely fits that cockroach moniker and like, I'm not going anywhere. And and go back to Royer's senior year in Tampa at the home of the Buccaneers, Ryan Montgomery with one of the better runs in the uh, past 20 years of, of Bearcat football. You remember that run, Ryan? That, that game kind of sucked, but uh, that was a good one to kind of put the uh, final nail in the cloth. Yeah, I, that just shows his crazy talent. Uh, Ryan can catch, he can run, he can make you miss open field, he can make you fist and make you miss in the sh- inside the tackles, and he can just 
run with power. So I, I agree with Chad. Chad was cutting in and out there. I couldn't really hear anything he was saying, but I just heard him talk about Ryan Montgomery and a guy we can't forget about. Serious talent, great dude, great running back. Um, hopefully I'm on par with what he was asking me to say, but I, yes, you are. I couldn't hear a lot of it. <laughs> you are. You are. Well, uh, go ahead and throw out the next question, Mr. Royer. All right. This one's – I was wondering, like we were just talking about players, but we got all these new coaches. So I'm wondering if you could give out best – like MVP coach or like coach that you think has done a, a great job and just kind of stood out from all the all the other coaches. And Because, you know, we got all these new players, like I said, but we got all the new coaches. And these coaches, they bring their own shit. They bring their own culture. They bring their own ways of doing things. And, you know – Fickle staff. It was kind of a very much like a hive mind centered around like Coach Fickle and Coach Brady's culture. So I was wondering how this new staff kind of what the, what their take on like coaching is, and who do you think was standing out the most? Aaron, to you. We'll go around the circle. Well, I'm going to go a little uh, outside the lines on this one, and I'm going to say for me, it's what Zach Grant and Jack Griffith and their staff has been able to do in regards to putting together this Island of Misfit toys uh, for <laughs> this team. I mean, they, they got to Cincinnati after a lot people had already put together their recruiting classes. Uh, the transfer portal was already open at that point in time, I believe by the time they were in position. And so they were kind of, I don't want to say scraping at the bottom of the barrel, but I guess the metaphor fits. Um, so they were, they, they, I think they did a lot with the little amount of time that they had. And I'm super anxious to see what they're able to do with a full recruiting cycle. Um, and also with a full transfer window um, and just what they're able to do, because I think they did a hell of a job with the amount of time that they were given in putting together this team, the way that it's currently assembled. Uh, so that's that's my MVP right now. Before we've even seen an actual snap in a in a game that means something from this team. Keegan, you've you've been right there interviewing pretty much all of them. Um, who's you know you don't have to throw out one in particular, but maybe a couple that have kind of you know jumped off the page for you. I think in terms of probably the best interview that I got, I give him props for that, but also just for landing the highest recruit of the class. Um, Darrell Sims has done a really good job and I think it's interesting to see how he's kind of won the trust of the running backs that stayed here at Cincinnati um, and he's had to kind of coach them and they've all just talked about how much he, he came in and he just taught them because they're it's such an eager to learn group um, but landing Jason Patterson is huge and then kind of implementing the zone run scheme working with Nick Cardwell the offensive line coach in Satterfield it's a big challenge um, but right now it seems like it's working, at least in fall camp, and we're not going to know if it's legitimate until the season starts. But he's he's making a lot of momentum. And then <laughs> you got to go Kerry Combs, dude. I mean, I've just never seen a coach that is as insane as he is. I find it really interesting that he he doesn't cup his mouth when he wants to like be loud. He goes the side of his face <laughs> to amplify his voice. But how he's developed Sammy Anderson into a potential starter, um, working with Jordan Young, DJ Taylor, all those guys. He's got Jabril White, who's just being fast-tracked to try to be a safety in this defense. You have to give him credit for the energy he brings every day, 
and then also just how good of a coach he is, how legendary of a coach he is. He's also been a huge anchor in the recruiting program, especially yep. in the state of Cincinnati. So, and the holdover of the culture from you know one right. one regime to the next. Uh, yeah, and recruits tell me that's that's really attractive to them that he was willing to stay because they they see that it's something about the city and the school itself that's special, and not just the coaching staff that was there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you mentioned Nick Cardwell. I thought. I thought his interview with Chad was great. I think uh, just watching, you know, pre-game, if you will, pre-scrimmage on Saturday, kind of the uh, the different drills he has the offensive line doing. It's, it's unlike something you know that we've really seen. Kind of, it's kind of like a pulling guard drill that they do. Kind of getting the uh, every single offensive lineman out to the outside to fit the scheme and whatnot. You know, it's it, it's really exciting to see kind of the different approach he has. I, I like to mention the Sims. You know, each one of the coaches seems like you know. The, uh, on the field and off the field type guy, but Sims definitely kind of echoed that quite a lot in the uh, in the article that you wrote and just kind of just listening to, to him talk as well. But uh, I gotta say, Nico Palazzetti, baby, put it up on a on a platter for me to run away with it. Our boy Nico, good catching up with the guy on the field, especially afterwards. Uh, we got to get Nico on the on the pod before it's all said and done, uh, before the season straps up. But Nico, man. It, the, just the way that everyone mentions Nico and what he's been able to do in the offseason. Got to give a homer call. Maybe next Monday we might Ooh. see Nico for one final time before the season. Nico. Chad, go so. ahead and uh, round out this uh, the question that old, old Royer posted. Uh, I think I'm going to go Pete Thomas. I, I think we've seen a lot of progress from Emory Jones from the spring to the summer. Um, he's been a lot more consistent at camp higher ground than he was here initially, which means he's getting clearly a, a better feel for what he's got and a better feel for incorporating those guys into the offense. Um, and I think he's, you know, as Keegan mentioned, he's, he's got a very bright star, uh, ready to take off in this business. So, um, I, I think he has done a really good job. Plus. He got Samaj Jones, which was their number one guy coming in, you know, landing in Cincinnati. That was the guy that they had circled at the top of their board. We need to make this happen. They made it happen. Like that's that says something to me. Um, so I'll I'll go Pete. Plus he's 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 been a he's been on, you know, he's been on with us on the network already. Friend of the network, and, uh, baby. I like friends of the network. So I'll go Pete Thomas. There you go. There you go. Royer, you're back. New question. New question. All right, number three. Three. All right. Um, kind of like I was talking about, you know, new this. What do we are we, we got is this gonna I gotta is this gonna be a regular thing? Like do I have to name this segment where you come up with questions every week? Because I'll name it and sell that shit. I will. <laughs> Chad has seen money just go down the drain right now and he's getting mad about it. It's like, damn it, I should have thought of this earlier. No, I like I, I just, you know, I'm sitting here as you guys are all talking and going through this, and like, you know, the, the, the way that my mind works, I'm like, we could turn this into like a weekly thing. Deep thoughts from Ryan's cubicle. Or, no. Or getting right with Royer. Oh, all right. Exploring. How about 
Royer wants to know. <laughs> Riffin with Royer. Ooh, Royer. Sponsored by Labco. Yeah. Riffin Rally Ryan Royer. <laughs> I love a I love a good alliteration. Keegan was this week up on that. What does Royer want to know? Yeah, you know, Chad, oh, yeah, you were gone. Keegan had to had to go to a new setting. I, I figured I'd I'd text old Ryan and say, Hey man. I like this segment. Like I think this is unless this is some really good really good content here on the BBP. Yeah. So this might be something that we want to continue. It gives Ryan his own thing. Yeah. Like it gives Ryan his 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 little space. I like it. It it might only be available for like one or two more weeks because then it'll be just game days. And, and no, Royer will be like Royer. Out. Royer can write questions on the game. Yeah, true. And like we have our Royer wants to know segment. Like Royer sees something, he wants to know our thoughts. Yeah. On what he saw, and that okay. doesn't mean like we also Ryan can answer his own questions. It doesn't have to be Ryan asks the questions and we answer. Like yeah. Royer can ask a question and, and give us his answer to the question as well. The Red Robin Riffin Rally Ryan Roy. <laughs> no, you're so mean. Good, Aaron. That's that's excellent producing. I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna I'm gonna Venmo you twenty five dollars. Oh no! Somebody donate twenty five dollars that I can send to Aaron. Thank you. So what's what's your next question, Ryan? This one's more broad. Um, it could be anything. Anything that has to do with, with what you've seen at a at higher ground or at um, just anything with the staff, the players. Just your biggest surprise, like something you weren't expecting, you know? Because it's a lot of new stuff. There's some that really. You know what stands out to rain. me, Ryan? What stands out to me is I don't see a drastic change in the culture. I mean, guys got not, I mean, it's not a surprise, but it's a new stat. Like that's the one thing that like, are they going to be able to maintain the standard that was set? Like are guys still going to go out to higher ground and get after it? Like, is it going to be the same type of intensity and performance and expectation that Luke established here? And so far, I've seen that. Like, I, I see guys every day out there getting after it. And, um, I, like, for me, the, the a perfect example is Friday. Um, you've had a long week out at higher ground. You're going back to campus on Saturday. You've got a scrimmage on Saturday. Guys get to see their families. They get to sleep in their own beds. Maybe get to see their first girlfriend. Uh, get to see their girlfriend for the first time in, you know, 10 days or whatever the case may be. Like, that's a scenario where that Friday practice can be a mess. And I thought, I mean, I think Keegan would agree. I thought Friday was one of the better practices at camp. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I, I like, that speaks to me on the culture that that is being continued, that is carrying from the last staff through the veteran leadership into this staff. Now, this is also something that can change over time as guys that are, you know, because the leaders of this team are guys that were, you know, established in that culture. So it makes sense that it's easy to carry it on now. We'll have to see as, you know, the younger guys move up and the transfers move up, do they continue that? But you can't 
carry it over if it doesn't carry over now. If you lose it now, it's really hard to get back. And I've seen that. So I think for me, that would be something I was looking for that is uh, has kind of checked that box. I don't know that it's a surprise, but it was on the list of like, let's see how they, the, when it gets tough, let's see how these guys respond. And so far, uh, you know, today was so hard to tell because it rained for an hour and a half, like a pretty steady, annoying, consistent rain. Uh, the offense was dreadful today. So many drops, so many balls through guys' hands. Like they just never found a rhythm in the in the elements. Um, but I, I really like what I've seen to this point. Kind of piggybacking off of that real quick uh, is just the fact that the media continues to be allowed the same access that they had with Luke Fickle, which that wasn't something that Scott Satterfield had done previously. And I only found that out through conversations that I had while I've been at the different practices that I've been at. So uh, just another hat. Well, no, I knew about it. The, I knew about it when he got hired. I, it was, it was, well, I'm, it, I'm just saying, no, I'm as, just saying, as somebody like, who doesn't. That's probably because the media fans and boosters don't hate him at Cincinnati. I feel like that might have something to do with it. Well, I, I don't know what's going on with Ken Kniff from Connecticut here in the chat, but goodness gracious. Um, My bad. I'm on the wrong pod. What are you all talking about? We'll, we'll do this we're real talk, quick. We're talking Animal about stuff? the what universe. Kate Kent's my um, burner. Um, it's my burner. Animal stuff? Burner on uh, Swift or whatever. That, that, was, that was just Brent like occupying his time while he was in timeout. Yeah, Switch. Yeah, I, we're talking about the bear and the cat and the and then the dog and the mouse, you know. Take Kent, that's my. Uh... Um, but I, I was gonna say uh, the the thing that I guess has surprised me, I didn't expect the offense to be scoring at the rate that they did in this last scrimmage. I didn't expect the offense to be quite. What we're used to seeing with Luke Fickle teams was the defense being so far ahead of the offense, and we. I don't feel like we've seen that quite the same at this point. And I don't know if that is a tribute to the defense being um, also a new install, or if that's the fact that the offense is better than maybe we anticipated. So. Kate. I think my favorite thing is Brian threats, just constantly being positive energy, always a smile on his face, jumping around, running around talking crap to the offense. I, I've never seen anyone have fun at practice like Brian Threats has. And kind of being an older guy and someone that's going to have a really big role, I think him providing that energy is is really good to see. And also, Aaron Turner has really translated into this team, and he's made the leap from FCS to FBS. He had a really, really good back shoulder catch from Emory Jones today on the sideline. I think it converted – I think it was a third down conversion. He's been really good. And uh, I think whatever role he has, I think he's going to be reliable at the very, very least. UConn is FCS now? <laughs> Shout out to GMAC. Thank you for the donation, Four ninety nine. He says, damn, was hoping Brent would be in the penalty box all night. <laughs> That's $5 to Aaron. That's so fast, my friend. Aaron. Not so fast, my friend. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just I, I knew UConn was playing at an FCS level. I just didn't know they had actually moved there. 
Did they actually go down? No, Keegan just got that one wrong. Well, I, I kind of <laughs> do like the FCS nod, but, uh, you know, I uh, easy, Chelsea. Um, the, <laughs> the, the biggest surprise for me, or I guess just something that I really like, is, you know, going to practices and campfire ground and, and this, the, other, the last few seasons has been to go see a team projected to be top 25, top 15, top 10, projected to kind of, you know, be the talk of college football, con- considered to be a, a team to watch week in and week out. But yet this team, you listen to all the media talk as you listen to, to, to you know, the, the national dudes, the capital JJ's journalisms, uh, they say that this team isn't very good. They say this team is going to be, you know, four wins or less. They see, they say this team is, you know, going to struggle in year one with with the quarterback that isn't good. That you know, quarterback that's proven that he's he's bad. Um, I didn't see that at all on Saturday. I I, I saw a team that is going to surprise people. If that's the way they're going to go into it, a team that's going to kind of come out and hit people in the mouth on defense, a team that on offense has the ability to stretch the field has a, a group of running backs that all have a unique different skill set that they're going to be able to just continue to roll at them an offensive line that looks a lot better than projected. And then a quarterback that looks like a man on a mission. So the thing that I like the most is, is what I was able to see, even though everyone else in the country thinks this team is bad. Saturday didn't show that. How many wins do they have to get to be surprising? That's, what uh seven seven okay yeah now royer or chad oh chad you already yeah i was in timeout when you were talking so royer go ahead well real quick before ryan goes uh thanks to connor cole 499 donation a lot about offensive and defensive but how's mason fletcher looking as well as the new kicker man um, I will say, I said it on Saturday night, I wish I did anything in my life as well as Mason Fletcher kicks balls. I said that when I was watching him do it on the field. I think I told Keegan that. Um, and I, I stand by that comment. He's unreal. He is unbelievable, man. Uh, you know, I kind of – I was talking with Dave about it uh, during the scrimmage. Uh, Royer, how many games do you think James Smith had a massive part in, in winning in the early fickle tenure? A lot, man, because field position is like one of the number one keys to to winning in football. I don't remember any any like exact games exactly, but I know that. I mean, week in and week out, if, if that ball was anywhere near on the other side of the forty, like going in towards the fifty, like that's automatic inside the twenty, if not in the ten, and mm-hmm. that is that is so hard because for the offense, you have to get like two extra first downs a drive just to just to like get into a manageable spot to like flip the field right and here's just here's what's so interesting much. about that ryan is early in the fickle tenure um it was very much like centered on mike warren's going to get us a couple first downs we're going to grind it out and then if we have to we're just going to pin you inside the 20. right and that was why I think Jimmy was so, so dangerous early and got so many accolades early in his career was because it was just that mentality of like, we don't feel like we have to go down and score every time. Our defense is so good 
that if we can get 25 yards, if we can if we can get to the, our even our own 43 yard line, we're going to put you in a terrible spot, and we're going to force you to go, you know, 84 yards on a top 10 defense over and over and over again. And I never, never thought that they would be able to go back out there. And don't tell Jimmy I said this. Because Jimmy is a Jimmy is a very close friend of the network. So I don't I think Mason might be better. Oh, Fletch is better. I think Mason might be better. So I I, I just never thought like yeah. <laughs> Look. I think Mason might be better. Like his ability, he's got the rugby kick. He's got the American style kick. Like he can, he can put it high and long. He can go for distance. Like I, he's got everything in his bag, man. And they are, they have a absolute weapon. Uh Do they, do they decide which style of punt it's going to be before the play? And if so, how do they dictate which one it's going to be? Um, I haven't, maybe that's something, maybe that's something that, um, the, the best Bearcat reporter on the beat now, Keegan Nickerson can get Kerry Combs and okay. ask Kerry Combs. Okay. I report back. Royer, what was it during your time? What was what? Was it kind of just up to whatever Fletch wanted to do? Or was it, did Luke say go, go rugby style? What, what happened? I just nothing. <laughs> I'm just thinking about something funny that happened back in the day. I want... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, boys. Hold this is on. good podcast. Was it on the beach? <laughs> he had to take a time out. He took a to, baby. I like that. I like that. While Ryan's gathering himself, what about the uh, second half of this question, uh, as well as the new kicker? I think I think there is a um, there is definitely an adjustment coming from the desert and kicking in the desert because I thought when Carter Brown got here, a lot of his balls kind of floated, but when you think about it, that makes sense when you're kicking in like warm dry air because they carry so like as long as you get it up and put it like you know 40 yards it's going to carry an extra five seven yards or whatever and you're going to be a lot you're going to be really efficient from longer distances uh because your accuracy is going to be a lot more on point when you're when you're not driving uh you know when you drive through the ball it's got a lot more variance on it going right or left. Um, I think we're seeing a lot more oomph on his kicks as we have gotten through camp. I think Keegan would attest to that. Like they felt like they were hanging in the air forever mm-hmm. in the spring and then the first couple of days of camp. And now it feels like he's getting a little bit more pop into it. It's created a little bit more uh inconsistency early. But as he's continued to go through, you're not seeing nearly as many misses, and you're seeing the ball come off his foot with a little bit more uh, velocity. So uh, I'm becoming more and more. The, the thing is, like, when you do this, and especially when you're doing something 
every day, like we're doing at camp, you're always looking for, okay, here is what I see. Here is where I think such and such can get better. And then you talk to your sources around the program. You say, am I seeing this right? And they generally, if you're seeing it right, they'll confirm. And then you wait to see if it's changing. And I think we're seeing a more effective Carter Brown that's not, uh, you know, just lofting the ball up and knowing kind of it's going to go through. Like, you got to make kicks in the Midwest. You got to go out there and make kicks in the Midwest. And I think he's getting there. I think we've seen big improvement from the beginning of camp to – I guess today was practice 10 or 11 and there's two or three that we haven't been to that have been closed to the media. Um, so yeah, I, I, he's getting there. Yeah. I don't think he missed a kick on, uh, on Saturday when I was there. So yeah. Can confirm. He, he looked pretty good. Six for uh, six. I think it was. Yeah. Oh, he's back. He's back. Are you okay? Yeah. I just, just had a, I just got a funny, a funny ass text from my buddies, and it was just this funny video. But I, uh, <laughs> I, I just, I couldn't hold it in. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're good. You're good. There's a video of a guy getting uh, stung by a stingray. Yeah. And he just, he claps to the ground, and he just like shit his pants out of pain. I don't know. I just, <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, <laughs> it got to me. There you go. Hey, it gets yeah. to us. It gets to us. Yeah. What corners of the internet are your friends on that they find that? Oh, we're on every corner, brother. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A question for a different reels, podcast. Don't even, get, don't even get us started on the reels. Uh, there you go. Well, we'll right, roll. Yeah, we're roll. talking about Fletch. I think Fletch. <laughs> 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 oh, my Producer extraordinaire. <laughs> I, I just want to see it happen, man. <laughs> Who's making a clap for a kick? I, I don't. I don't know what's. I don't know what's. I, I told you. I don't know what's happening with Ken. Here we go, Ken. Getting claps, man. But Roy, yeah, Fletch is a beast. Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree with you guys. He might be better than um. Jimmy. Than the boy Jimbo. It's and again. And I never, I never thought I'd say that. I was like, never, I, never. Yeah. I, I, I thought Jimmy was going to go like easily going to take, you know, ten years to find somebody that's just going to step in and, and be as good as Jimmy. And like zero years, zero years it took to find somebody maybe better than Jimmy. Brian Mason was. When, when, genius. when Mason came in, I was like, what the fuck is that? Like. Is he just like the rake? Yeah, just so skinny and like just he was fresh from Australia. He had no idea. Like super tall, super late. Just looks just just. I was like, I don't know how he's gonna be able to punt a ball. He was so skinny. Then he just like went off in the weight room. But like it was funny because him going off in the weight room, like there's not a huge jump like in like looks. It's not like he like got ripped, but he just got like a little bit more muscle on him and but he gained like 15 pounds but then every time he was kicking no matter what it was always bombs i was like damn like there was no drop off which was good because you know yeah. hunting is like so overlooked how important it is oh yeah and 
one big thing that punished him to have. Did he speak English? Oh, he spoke the English, bro. He did. But but one big thing punters need to have and kickers as well. Wasn't that Brent? Wasn't that Brent? What? Wasn't that Brent that mistook, uh, like, asked if if one of the other, if they spoke English? Was that you or was it somebody else? It wasn't me. I've got some Australian friends. It was, no, somebody on one of these, (laughs) one of the shows in the network that just, like, completely spaced and was like, did he speak English when he got here? Yeah, that's they, yeah they um they they do speak that's that the language of, like the language <laughs> of origin. <laughs> Brent, are you Brent? Are you saying you needed friends from Australia to know that they spoke English there? You know what? I'm not saying it, but I'm also not not saying it. So, um, it, but uh, yeah. It, in the chat, Matt asks, uh, "Will they continue to look to get kickers from Australia?" Uh, I I think several conversations have been had to where we can confirm they are. Not necessarily looking to get strictly from Australia, but they are not not looking at Australia. The door is not shut. That whole right. program that they have over there is like elite, and they're oh, yeah. they're they're turning them out. And if you have already James Smith and Mason Fletcher vouching for Cincinnati, and it's a oh, good yeah. program, they're going to keep coming. It helps. It's a feather in your cap. What I was saying is, kickers and punters, confidence is key, and Mason has confidence out of the wazoo. So. Big time. Ryan, number four. What else, what, else, what else you got for us? You're on mute, pal. Yep, there I'm here, go. man. Um, what's the best new thing? Best new thing this staff brings? Um, Your favorite or best? I'm, I'm going to take my answer because I, I don't know if one of you guys are going to steal this one, and this is the only one I have that is my favorite new thing. But how strictly they follow this period – through practice is my favorite new thing that they have. The scrimmage was like two hours done. There was no, no extra time. They they didn't, they didn't have to wait until the defense got a stop to end the game and proclaim the defense won the game. Um, You know, as, as we've seen in previous regimes before Um, we, we just saw just, especially in practice, uh, just the way that practice runs with, the bullhorn running and timers set up in the corners, you pretty much have an idea as to what's going on, at least how, how much longer this period's going to go before you need to shift focus somewhere else. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I just really enjoy how crisp and organized team practices have been. Keegan, yeah, yeah, anything? Um, I, I think it's just how – um, how willing Satterfield is to talk to the media. Um, it's not like he's trying to hold back a bunch of answers or give like bull crap coach speak answers to not give us anything. He's really upfront with us. I think everybody's really upfront with us. They're telling us stuff that we want to know. And I think that's really refreshing because you, you see the coaches that they see the media as a negative. And I think coach Satterfield knows that the media can, can help you like, despite what a lot of people say, like it can be a benefit. Um, I've got uh, just kind of schemes on both sides of the football, offense and defense. Um, Chad kind of, I mean, yeah, Chad and Dave kind of talked about it last night. Like the offense looks like they've got. Outside zone, baby. That's my answer. Oh, yeah. They've they've got themselves a a game plan, and they're going to do exactly what that game plan is. So, Chad, I'll let you take on the outside zone, but I'm just going to mention the defense real fast. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just aggressive. And when you hear 
the defensive line mentioned it, you know, the, the holdovers from, from last year, you know, Dante and Juwan and Malik and, and Phillips, you know, they mentioned how excited they are to have this more aggressive, get up the field, make plays. And then, you know, DP as well, just talking about how excited he is for just the aggression and, and playing more all over the field, the set and the other, like that, that's true, genuine excitement. Uh, so for me, it's definitely the uh, schematics on both sides of the football. I mean, I Chelsea, I I got an exclusive camp preview with Scott Satterfield on the network. So I mean, I'm you know. Also, not how you spell my name. Yeah, get it right. Okay, it's a mix of mix of Keegan and Reagan there. Yeah, (laughs) although those two are kind of inseparable now, Keegan and Reagan. I mean, we might have to come up with a. K E A G A N podcast. No, the, the Kragen Hour. The power. The, the power couple. <laughs> work yeah. work husband and wife. Not actual husband and wife, but work husband and wife. Keegan and Reagan. No. <laughs> Kicking it with Kragen. No. I kept an umbrella over her camera because she doesn't have protective gear, and it costs more than my life. So, how much? Yeah. Did you guys all have umbrellas today, or was it just Keegan did? I did, yeah. yeah. I'm, I was the only one that brought one. And well, Neil had one. <laughs> was it tiny? What was it? It was it was small, and it, it was like it was completely in. broken. It was completely broken, and it had wow. pearl necklaces, uh, high heels, purses. Uh, it was a it was an interesting choice by Neil for his umbrella at camp today. Feels great. Feels great. Um, but yeah, there we go. Royer, you got another one or is that is that Dunzo? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, should not have asked a question when he left. But uh I guess I'll throw a question out there. Keegan, um, great job on all the articles so far. Uh, you. you know, it's it's been it's been a thrill reading those. Um, my question to you is, you know, two part. What has been your favorite article up to this point? And, and second part, uh, go tell us a little bit more about the the Nick Van Exel piece and the uh, Sauce Gardner piece, and kind of how uh, excited you were to kind of get those those written up. I think my favorite article is still the Emory Jones one, um, just kind of based off of how much work I put into it. Um, how willing people were to talk about him was really refreshing. It, it was kind of a good sign of what we should expect as, as a person from Emory. Um, for the sauce and Nick Van Exel ones, that, that was just a really unique situation because you have two different sides of the spectrum on two different people graduating. You have sauce fulfilling a promise to his mother, mm-hmm. um, promised when he went to college, he was going to get a degree. And then you have Nick Van Exel, who, when he was at Cincinnati, he didn't really care about school at all. He was there to play damn good basketball, and he played damn good basketball. And then it kind of comes back to where he tells all of his players, if you can get your degree, you need to get it because it can bite you in the butt. Now, he kind of realized some things that he couldn't do without a degree, and now he, he might he might be wanting to do them. So he went back and got his degree. But that was just – it was a celebration for both of them, and it was awesome to cover. Just It's a really positive thing. It's a really happy thing. Um, and then talking to Terry Nelson was awesome. Talking to Sauce Gardner's high school coach. 
just about the people they are. And yeah, it, both of those were really, really refreshing to write. Um, the, for, first off, it was awesome seeing then, you know, on Hard Knocks, they're, they're with the Justice here, for those who don't know. And, and they had cameras at, at the, uh, you see, you know, the ceremony for the graduation. And uh, they, they got a cool moment with, with Nick Van Exel and Sauce kind of dapping up. And, and, and Nick was like, Saucy! I was like, okay, <laughs> Nick. Nicky, Nicky Van Exel getting in there. But uh, the coolest thing about Nick since uh, his you know, time after post – post player and now in the, in the coaching scheme is when he discovered iced coffee. That was, uh, that truly was <laughs> one of the funnier things. That I've I remember that on social media, like just every single day, he's like, well, how come no one told me about iced coffee? This is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, I agree, Nick. It's absolutely fantastic. But um, no, those are all really cool pieces. And uh, yeah, man, thank you. Yeah, keep it Appreciate up. That um, was supposed to be filibuster for Royer to come back and, see if he had any more questions but Royer has I'm I'm curious as to if sauce graduating meant anything to to Ryan actually oh yeah that was awesome uh I thought that anytime you see a guy like that who had like his career has no business like not to say you don't have any business like going back to college but when you've just like reached this celebrity like status so quickly you'd think like the last thing on your mind is like, Oh, I got to go back and get my degree, but it just kind of shows the kind of guy sauce is like loyal. He's rooted in all the right things. And that's why like, there's not, there, I don't, I still don't think there's a ceiling for how good of a player he can be. Cause when you're rooted in, in values like that, um, honoring your, your mother and your grandmother, I think like, as long as you don't lose sight to the uh, things like that, then you're always going to be heading the right direction in all phases. So, I was super proud of that. Um, you know, getting it, having him have a degree from this university means a lot to me too. But, and Brian, I also don't have uh, <coughs> any more questions. But I just I heard you say that when I was I was out of the room grabbing something. Oh, so. Wow, you're good. I thought it was I thought it was interesting that the mayor gave Sauce a a day named after him. August fourth, right? And then proceeded to, in that declaration, call it the ACC and not the AAC. What a jabroni. Okay. Ah, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> See what uh, you did there. Yeah, Royer, yes, the godfather. Back-to-back tackles for losses the first two plays of the scrimmage. That, that really stuck out to me. Great final question. You're the man. Um, let's see here, guys. Anything else that uh, we want to have? Keegan, obviously, you have the uh, notes up from today's practice. Chad and, and you as well with the uh, interviews post-practice. Um, tight end day for Chad. I, I know he he had one interview back in the day where when all the tight ends dyed their hair blonde. You remember that, Royer? And, and Big Bird and, and DeGuara yeah, and, and all that kind of – Kind of look at Harry dyed his beard blonde. Remember that, Harry? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, that was a good look. It wasn't too bad. Yeah. Gotta be honest, Leave but uh, yeah, um, really good stuff up on the on the site. Um, Keegan, anything really from today that you want to kind of mention on the pod? That kind of really you want to kind of remember about uh, just cool play or a cool performance or anything just from today's practice. Chad talked about the receivers had a really tough day, a lot of drop passes, but Chris Scott was not in that group. He had a really, really good day, and they capped it off the last play of the day 
I don't know if it was Lichtenberg or Drogosh, Ch if Chad remembers who it was. Mm -hmm. But it was just a perfect lob into the corner, and he just stuck out his hand, grabbed it one foot down. The entire, like, offense mobbed Chris, like, pushed him all the way back almost to the woods behind the field. Um, <laughs> there were some offensive linemen. They were like, like, I'm not going that far. <laughs> no, like, I'm, not, too far. Not, I'm not. That's too far. That's too far. That's too far. I'm not going that far. Yeah. Um, so it was really had, funny. He had a really, really good day. He made some good catches, um, and he was my dude of the day. He's been asking for some shout-outs on BCJ, so I gave him one today. There we go. And, and, and you know what? The, it's been the solid. Yeah. I was going to say the fact that we saw, you know, the D Wiggins injury and, and, and different things here and there, there's going to be times where that depth of the wide receiver room is going to be tested and having a guy like Chris Scott available is, is massive, which is, if, look, even, yeah. If Chris yeah. Scott's the middle of your wide receiver room, your wide receiver room is pretty good. Mm -hmm. Like that's been the biggest worry through all of this with everybody that left was the wide receiver room being, you know, being new. If Chris Scott's in the middle of that wide receiver room, your wide receiver room's in pretty decent shape. Yeah, and they could have easily, gone. yeah, they could have easily been in a situation coming off the coaching change, having to restore that room to where if you lose one guy, you're done, and you don't have any difference makers. But they've built, and we've had D Wiggins out for yeah. three days. Like he's been out there, he's been around. He doesn't have a bad injury. He's just, you know, it's leg stuff where you, it's, there's no point. Especially on a rainy day, I would have been interested to see if he was back today. If it was a normal day, yeah. Um, but in the rain, you're not going to run a guy back out there that you know tweaks something. Yeah, um, I watched it. I watched an interaction between a uh, team photographer and him, in which he told him that he went viral on the internet the day prior with a torn ACL, and he's like, "What are you talking about?" And the yeah. whole interaction was hysterical. Like he pulled up his phone and he's showing him. He's like, "You you blew up Bearcat Twitter. Like you you blew up the internet." Yeah. And he's like, "What are you talking about? I didn't do no none of this even <laughs> happened." And he's just walking around, no brace, no pet, no. Yeah, no it was a minor like like it was just he tweaked something that it, it happens every day in camp four times. The whole thing was hilarious to watch develop in real time. And yeah. I just laughed. And he's just like, just befuddled with, what do you mean I tore my ACL? That, that didn't happen. None of that. Yeah, happened. that started on Bearcat Journal. Like, you guys got to be better. It's like, come on. You guys got to be better. You can't start shit like that. Here's the, here's the thing I need to explain to our members. We're not small time anymore. Everybody is on Bearcat Journal. So if you post something crazy like that on Bearcat Journal, it's out. Like, everybody's talking about D. Wiggins tore his ACL. No, he didn't. do. Like, everybody, chill. Send me a DM and be like, hey, I heard this. And I can either be like, I'm going to need you to shut the fuck up for a couple days. Or, like, no, he's fine. Call, like, everybody relax. Like, we, yeah. we, can't, we, don't, we can't get away with what we used to get away with 10 years ago where we would talk amongst ourselves and it stayed amongst ourselves. Mm -hmm. We've become too much a part of everything that is you see sports now. That's not how it works anymore. Yeah, I have I had coaches coming up to me today saying they saw what was on BCJ and then they frantically called other coaches to see if it was true because they got scared. Everybody's on BCJ now, like dead serious, everybody. <laughs> From every level of the athletic department and the fan base, everybody is on Bearcat Journal now. 
Now that's not to say we don't need to get bigger. We still need to get bigger. It's fine. But <laughs> yeah, and you, when you send Chad a DM asking about injury updates, you have to send a ten dollar Venmo as well. And then yeah. right. if I'm going to answer, you got to Venmo me ten bucks. <laughs> and if you don't ask it the right way, you got to send more. Right. And more. <laughs> That's how you end up getting screen capped, and that's not good for anybody. None of that's no. none of that's going to go well. No, ten dollars gets you a per- ten dollars gets you a personal phone call from Chad. <laughs> exactly. Somebody, somebody the other day was like, "We we need like, do you want me to come sit on your couch and answer questions? Oh, like <laughs> for the right price, I'll do that." Wow, I'm okay. single now, so I got a lot of time. Yeah, there's websites for that, but but uh, so um, the. Uh, the you know keegan yeah i'm gonna tell you to leave for a second because we gotta give you your flowers um keegan you're out for now he'll be back dropped him he dropped himself out and yeah he did that himself he's he doesn't even have his headphones in currently well you should have looked (laughs) did you look at the private chat um anyway so um i think that uh it's a good time to kind of time stamp just the camp talk for now unless anyone has anything else um, and hope Keegan comes back because we got we'll have him on for the full pot. A little, little, little Keegan on the beat. I like I like the flow. I like the vibe of this. We might be a five man podcast now. I like the in and out, like the kind of the bouncing around. I, I don't hate it. I kind of like this the vibe that we've got. Going. I we think gotta, this is a we, this is get, this is a new energy that we have not had in a couple let's weeks. Get two claps for Royer real quick. I'm not making it clap. I just feel like we were requested to make it clap. (laughs) You know, two claps for Royer. Hey, hey, make it clap with Ryan Royer. Yeah. And then coming up afterwards is kicking it with Craig and and then uh, well, Keegan didn't. That Kent guy said need to hear Keegan scream. Yeah, he's now blocked. both him the, the you can't you oh, you can't you can't do stuff with I I can't do anything from here with oh, anything going Twitch. on on Twitch. I went into the Twitch feed and blocked them both. They are they will not be back. The Twitch nation, Twitchy, Jackasses. we're Twitchy Sorry. out here. Oh. That's uh, that's a timestamp brought to you by Quick Paper Supply, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products. Quick Paper services over 150 restaurants with weekly low minimum next day deliveries. They provide a wide range of food service products from to-go containers, cups, custom printed products, eco-friendly, and much more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick, 513-470-2029, and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Boom, baby. Uh, well, before we continue, walk away from, uh, I mean, extremely walk away from football, let's, let's quickly... Aaron, you got to bounce back in for this. This is your hashtag Bearcats in the NFL. Just go around the room. Before we even get into that, before we even get into that, Keegan, you want to hang out the rest of the night? You you good with that? Or my my computer was dying, and I had yeah, to go I'm get just asking. Are, are you in for the long? Do you have to go back yeah. to the ladies' no. house, or can you? No. Well, we, we we were saying we enjoyed this energy. We we like the bouncing in and out and all of that, and we thought that this was a different energy. So you didn't have your headphones in. Brent gave you flowers, and then there were some. I literally sprinted out. I'm not even kidding. I hit remove from stream as he said my name, and I felt really bad. And you don't sound like you're short of breath. So well done working out. Good job. <laughs> I, 
I was literally I was doing shoulder press as I got like a look link. at it. I got I was a link doing shoulder sent. press. I got a link sent uh, text from uh, Aaron as I was doing shoulder press. Oh. It was 8 p.m. on the dot. And I was like, when does it start again? He's like, a minute ago. <laughs> Royer knows about them shorter presses. Goodness. All right, All right so what, what you got, Brent? Okay. Uh, Look, yeah, so you can't do... pump it up if you don't shoulder press. Gotta pump it up. Don't you <laughs> know? The, pump it up. The critical, the critical lift right there. I tried to explain to Keegan the other day. They play pump it up. They do like a, a quick segment that's like third down or whatever. Yeah. And I was explaining to Keegan like, you know, yes, Bolden brought Pump It Up into the world, but Royer brought Pump It Up into the world. <laughs> right? Like, it's Bolden, a two-part thing. The creator. Yeah, it's yeah. a two-part thing. Like, you know. Bolden, uh, Bolden walked with Pump It Up so Royer could run with Pump It Up. Right. <laughs> I like yes. how Nico does it the best. Nico just goes like that. That's how he does <laughs> Pump It Up. <laughs> That's go. a good Pump the It Jersey Up. Jersey Shore in him. Hey, <laughs> hey, baby, Nico Palazzetti. All right, uh, quick Bearcast in the NFL, just around the room. Favorite thing from either the past week, either preseason, just real quick that you've seen uh, from uh, the Bearcast in the NFL. Aaron, you're the last week? Yeah, past week since our last pod. Um, preseason week one, it's gone, gone with the wind. I, I guess the favorite thing that I've seen so far, and I think it was probably longer than a week ago, is still Jason Kelsey hanging out with his kids. Uh, that's just a guy that is Hall of Fame bound. He is still – he's not taking those days off from what I've seen in camp yep. that a lot of veterans do, and he just makes sure that after every practice – and I, I think they're probably just not taking pictures anymore because you don't want to see the same thing every single day, but – you just need to mention it one time, two times, whatever. Right. And but he just makes sure at the end of every practice he goes and hangs out with his kids on the field and just him laying on the ground with his kids, using him as a jungle gym. As a father, I get that. Um, with you know, Brinix, who's now 13 months going on five, it feels like. Uh just I totally can relate to what he is doing as a dad. And piggybacking off that, prime video is announcing a green light order for Kelsey, a documentary that follows Eagles All-Pro center Jason Kelsey through the 2022-2023 season, The Doc, which premieres September 12th on Prime Video. Lock in. <laughs> you were ready for that read. My goodness. <laughs> hey, baby. I was going to mention we didn't, it. We didn't even plan that. <laughs> I was going to mention it. Lock it in. Locking in. Royer, favorite uh, Bearcats in the NFL from the past year? Uh, I think it's got to be the sauce getting the degree. Oh, yeah. It's got to be mine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. It, especially, <clears throat> did you watch Hard Knocks? No, I, I didn't watch oh, it. Oh, you got to check it out. It is. Hey, it could have been Alec with that deep ball touch, Tuddy versus the Bills, but I, I still can't tell if the guy knocked it out or if, he, if his elbow kind of jarred it out. But, right. Yeah, that might have took the cake for me. But... Did the refs call it a tutty? No, no. Well, then it wasn't. It apparently, it, no. It, it wasn't close. The, of, yeah. According to the BCJ experts, if the refs call it or don't call it, that's gospel. The refs True. never get anything right or wrong. True. <laughs> Keegan, favorite uh, Bearcats in the NFL. Um, you guys have probably talked about it, but I, I just think Sauce's handshake with Aaron Rodgers is so hilarious. <laughs> and then burn it on someone. And then 
the shot put of out, him. Put it out on Royer's head right down there. <laughs> the shot of him just standing there with Aaron Rodgers just talking about football before the Hall of Fame game is crazy. Yeah, like, like, that's a that's a borderline two, three-star recruit that just came to Cincinnati and tore the place up from like, I mean, let's, let's not get fucked. The Indiana boy, let's not get carried away. He was an what? 84. That's not okay, borderline. He was, a, he was a mid three star. Or is okay. That a- yeah. He was a mid three. Okay. Those, not they, aren't expect- man. they aren't expected to be the number one rated <laughs> cornerback in the NFL in their second season. I was a little confused how Sauce said he wanted to play 40 years in the NFL. I was like, I think he meant till he was 40, but. I know. I was like, who knows? That's a lot that, of years, but hey, if you do so it, it's going to be 60 coach. knocking down passes, bro. Right, exactly. And then honorable Get mention. Shit out of here. Honorable mention, not a former Bearcat, but under Scott Satterfield, Malik Cunningham is getting a lot of play for the Patriots, and seeing how he develops is going to be significant to Scott Scott Satterfield's future with quarterbacks. Wide receiver today. and I'll let you have that one. That was fair. I thought you were going to go with the fucking linebacker for the Giants. No. Are you, boy? No, that has nothing to do with it. There's at least some connection. Oh, my Chad, gosh. I had to hear there's that. There's a lot of connection with that guy. You I see, had to hear about that you see, every you see single what a, day. Their dream season would have fallen apart if that <laughs> ass clown didn't get punted. Yeah, yeah. Chad, uh, what you got? Ivan Pace, man. Like how's it not? How's it not Ivan Pace? Like, oh yeah, Kobe Bryant hit tackles. Kobe Bryant hit stick with yeah. like a word. Hey. Yeah, Kobe. Kobe adding safety to his resume now. He can play outside corner. He can play the slot. He can play safety. Like he is creating a space for himself where he's going to be in the NFL for a long time. But Ivan Pace going from undrafted free agent. To starter, potential starter, potential starter up there is awesome. Like, yeah. Going back to Kobe for a second, can we have this conversation? Is it a demotion to be moved from outside corner to inside corner to safety? Is that your last straw with the NFL? What What, what are your thoughts on that? I think they're trying to make sure he's on the field. Like right now the spot they have open, like where they have a question mark is safety. So they moved him to safety last year. It was at nickel. So they played him at nickel. Like I think, you know, especially as a defensive back, like it is such a DB centric league. Now you have to have so many of those guys and the more of them you have that can do a little bit of everything. That's a guy that can hang in the league for a long time. They're not, the thing, Aaron, is I, I think it's a really good question, Aaron, because there is like, you know, they're moving him around a lot. Um, they're trying to find somewhere that he's best. I think they're moving him around a lot because they feel like they need to get him on the field. And so, OK, maybe we feel like we answered in free agency this question, whatever. Maybe we feel like we answered this in the draft, but we have to have Kobe on the field. So yeah. let's try. But and, and the thing is with Kobe, he's gonna figure it out. Well, was he recruited? He's gonna to figure it out. Uh, he was. No, I think, I think he was listed as a safety. Years, when he was recruited as a corner. safety, and then they, yeah, moved him over. But either way, he's got some. Ryan, was he ever at safety? All over. Do you remember that? I don't remember him at safety. Yeah, when he first came in, they had him working, looking at safety. 
okay. just for a little bit. Like him and Derek, they made it's, back the corner. Well, they made the right call. Uh, one yeah. of them was a safety, and one of them was a corner. <laughs> it's interesting. The, one, the best corner in college football. The one they picked as a safety has also turned out to be pretty damn good, too. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, we know that, Jeff, you don't have to, in, like, enlighten us on the waiver stuff. We are well aware. And <laughs> it Jeff, is the only actually, thing we're going to talk about when we get to the basketball portion of the mailbag. Oh, was that actually already asked in there? Because I was going to bring it up. Next multiple time. times. Yeah, okay. multiple times. In reference, yeah, to the, in reference to the Seahawks corners, they have Devin Witherspoon and Tariq Woolen, who are right. just two studs. And then Kobe Bryant is third on the depth chart at both cornerback positions. And then do you know who's fourth at the left cornerback position? Yes. So you have two Bearcats getting bids for playing time in the Seahawks, and he's third for both the cornerback positions. So I would say he's in a good spot, but, I mean, there's definitely some some substance to what Aaron was saying. I'll, I'll give a couple quick hitters. Uh, but but that's but that's my point though, Keegan. Like, okay, we're good at corner. We need this guy on the field. Let's move him to safety. You yeah. know what happens to guys they don't want on the field? They just leave them as the third corner, and then they could become the fourth corner, and then they're not in the NFL anymore. Yeah, that's the point. I, that's what I yeah. was getting at. Yeah, and it, it's also the reality of it's it's the NFL. Like, there's no more competitive league in the world. That's also why I asked the question. So I, I think we were all on the same page. Yeah. Uh, quick hitters. Uh, pretty cool seeing the uh, one-two running back monster of uh, Mike Boone and uh, Chris and uh, Dokes. Jared Dokes, Dokes at, yeah. uh, in Houston. In Houston. I, it's not going to – I mean, it would be awesome if it carried over to the uh, this season. Es- but Especially with C.J. Stroud looking like a typical – Ohio State oh quarterback in the God. NFL. Was so and then, of course, so sad. he'll be fine. Oof. He'll be fine. Oof. And then um, Trey Tucker being used completely all over the field. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna have himself a role with the Raiders. Just they're gonna use him. They're gonna use him. And then uh, last but not least, a, a quick you know kind of you know knock on wood. Happy news. Uh, what looked to be a pretty bad injury for Drum Ford turns out it's just a bit of a hammy. So he uh, he should be. They're, they're trying to expect him back. The Browns are expecting him back by week one. You know, who knows what that soft tissue might be, you know, slow down a bit. But good to hear it wasn't anything too, too serious. Jeff, you're good. Like, that wasn't a, a, a swing at you. It is the only thing other than the sca- – there's two things being talked on the basketball board right now. Uh, transfer wa- – second-time transfer waivers and the schedule. That's all everybody's talking about. So, I- I'm just saying – Trust me. And if you don't have a membership to Bearcat Journal, bearcatjournal.com, like you can join the join the conversation there because there's a lot of it. Uh, so yeah, that's just going to be something that's coming up in the mailbag. That wasn't that wasn't to shush you. That was just to oh, let I'm, you know. That's it's just how Chad talks. We're going to get to it. Keegan has learned. That's just the way. I'm not yelling. That's just <laughs> the way I talk. Yeah. If if you say something remotely weird, you are. Idiot. (laughs) Man, we lost Brent again. Idiot. All right. I think that wraps it up. Um, Chad, if you want to jump back in here real quick and do a timestamp read. I really don't, but I will. Uh, That's a timestamp. 
brought to you by Quick Paper Supply, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products. Quick Paper services over 150 restaurants with weekly low-minimum next-day deliveries, providing a wide range of food service products from to-go containers, cups, custom-printed products, eco-friendly, and much more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick at 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Be honest, Keegan, is it tough dealing with me? Aaron always says it's tough dealing with me. No. <laughs> oh, I don't. No. You compliment me, so it makes it easy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not used to that. I feel like if, if he had if he had ever seen Jerry Maguire, that was his "You complete me," but he just he missed it. Yeah, he missed it. It's you fine. Complete me. Yeah, it's I'm not fine. there. I'm not there yet. You well, Keegan, Keegan just wants to tell Chad you had me at hello. He's no, working here's the, way, he's working his way back to '90s movies. He's <laughs> here's the thing that Keegan is learning. Like he will say, "Like I have an idea," and I'll be like, "Okay." And then randomly, I'll just grab somebody and be like, hey, Keegan, here's the <laughs> yeah. guy you need to talk to for your idea. Literally, he could probably see in my eyes how scared I was when he just he looked over at Pete Thomas. And then in, in, in a way, I was like, are you just about to say, hey, Pete? And then he just goes, yeah. hey, Pete. And then I'm like, okay. I have to get up and talk to Pete Thomas. <laughs> and then there was a player. He's looking for a little bit more depth on a player yeah. story that he's working on. And I was like, hey, come here. Keegan needs your, your dad's number. <laughs> and what what happened? You got the number. Like yeah, it worked out. I I used to this this will make sense to you. It, like early in my career, somebody that I uh, that owns a really successful business uh, in the sports world, I, I I did like some work for them, and he always they called me the connector because that was the thing. Somebody would have an idea, and I would be like, Oh no, I. I got you. Let me make a phone call. And all of a sudden, it like here's you and here's you, and now you two are together, and like the, the thing is happening. That's yeah. kind of that's my that's my ultimate, that's my best role. Like, that's what I'm best at. Mm-hmm. Is being like, oh, here's your idea, and I know the person that you need to make your idea happen. So I'm just gonna put you two in touch and you guys go with it. Yeah, it's working, so I'm happy for it. I'm happy for it. (laughs) All right. What do you got, Brent? Let's go. So the uh, next was basketball, and I actually was going to talk about basketball's kind of – yeah, we're going to – No, I was literally – I I, believe it or not, I read a skeleton for every single BVP, and we follow it for the most part. And the two topics were – what you've already mentioned is in the the mailbag. So I'm going to ask – So let's take those to the mailbag. Okay. Well, then it's time for the mailbag. Mailbag. I'm down. Like, I want the people to feel like they're involved. I don't want to cover these topics. And then when we get to the mailbag, be like, okay, rewind. Like, we already don't want to poo-poo on their questions. So, well, yeah. we, we do have a, a well, decent well, size real quick, mail. Well, real quick, we'll say uh, the one recruiting saga is over. Let's give a warm reception when he comes to fifth third in a couple of years. Um, aside from that... Uh, no other really basketball recruiting up to this point. And then aside from that, Odio Guama is a pretty good voiceover narrator. Um, that was aside, good. Yeah, it was pretty solid. Uh, pretty solid. Aside from that, I had a nice pose of questions. I had the schedule pulled up that people are mentioning, and we were going to dive into those. But 
stay tuned because we love getting the members involved. We'll be mentioning those on in the mailbag. So, Aaron, take it away. Uh, I will be. Uh, just want to remind anybody listening that if you are interested in sponsoring anything, the mailbag is back open for sponsorship. So that is a thing. Um, and but we had a uh, extra the questions. Royer segment. The Royer said the new Royer question segment is also open. Uh, Make it clap with Ryan Royer is now open for uh, sponsors. <laughs> I was I like riffing with Royer. Comment. I like riffing with Royer. I like Royer wants to know. Like I think that's I think that's that's Royer wants gets to right to the Royer wants to know. Roy, <laughs> I thought that's why we, you we might need that. to work fan. We might need to work fan into this segment. Like somehow the word fan might need to be worked into this Royer segment. Around the fan with Ryan Royer. <laughs> In the fan. In the fan with Ryan Royer. Through the fan. With Ryan Royer. <laughs> to the hospital with Ryan Royer. <laughs> it's really stupid that anyway. we workshop this stuff live, but this is what we do. Yeah. It's because we don't respect fans who listen to this. Ha, ha, ha. All right. Uh, first question in the football portion of the mailbag. Um Within and this comes from Mad Dog ninety three. Within reason, what renovations slash expansions would you like to see made to Nippert Stadium? Personally, I am at a whopping zero. Um, I'll pass it around the horn. Uh, Ryan, what you got? Um, I can't really think. As a player, I don't. I I don't really think we need to expand Nippert. I don't. I don't know how much more seats we could add and get it to still sell out. I mean, maybe a couple, maybe like five, 8,000 more be, with like the new bigger fan bases traveling in. But other than that, like even because the two year, it, it wasn't until like the last two years, we were winning for two years. And then the last two is when it really kind of was like selling out like almost every home game. But even then it was still not completely sold out. Like when Butts got in the seats, but uh, Chad's got something to say. I don't know. I don't know where we – maybe you'd have to go, like, connect connect the um, – what is that freaking oh, called? I've been waiting to ask you this question for a long fucking time, Ryan. Yeah. All right. Here, What is it? <laughs> 2018. Yeah. Maybe it was 19. I think it was 18. I don't know. COVID messed my brain up. Conference championship. I think it was 19. Conference championship or like a you know a, a Eastern Division still in play. No, it was twenty twenty. It's no, 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 no. This goes that was way crazy. back before that. I'm talking. Oh, you're talking about. Totally messed my brain up on whether it's eighteen or nineteen. I think 19. it was eighteen. When you lost to UCF, and so you're not like there was still an outside chance you could win a conference championship, but it was like you needed things to happen, and then you get to the end of the year. And you play. You're talking about the Cold Temple game at the home? The Temple game, senior day. Raining. And there's the like 20,000 people there. Where we had, uh, was it Kobe took the blocked extra point yeah. for the safety? That game. Did Derek yeah. had the ceiling interception. Did, did, did it bother you guys that there was only 20,000 people in the stadium? 
Be honest. I was surprised. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I thought it was. I thought like if there was gonna be like a home game where it's sold out, but it was also like so cold that night. It doesn't matter, man. I know. <laughs> yeah, it did bother us. We thought we deserved the fans to come out, but I was told by many by a couple fans who think they know better than what I hear from inside the program that nobody cared. It wasn't a big deal. Uh, I know a lot of people that were bothered by that. I mean, it meant a lot to us to be in that position. It would have been nice to have been like, you know, I guess rewarded with butts and seats, but because that game meant a lot to us. And that year, I mean, you know, turn the program around like immediately. Um, and there were times like, like people, I don't think people realize like it took literally until like the last year for Nipper to like really be a true sellout. And COVID fucked that up. Like to be fair, yeah. COVID fucked that up, but yeah. you're right. You're right. But, and then in night in 19, when we were, we came off the successor year and then we we're winning again, even then, like it would like the corners of the stadium wouldn't be full and it's only 40,000 people. And yeah. if you look at the Bengal stadium, it's 60,000 and like, they still like don't get it, it has to be like a playoff game to get like every single seat filled. MW2 Top G, you don't have to defend yourself here. I this is very specific because I brought this up and I got crushed by a segment of the fan base on Twitter that like it didn't matter. The players don't care about that type of thing. The coaches don't care about that type of thing. And my uh point was I don't care. Spend your money however you want to spend your money. Like, I do whatever you got to do. But if you want to keep coaches, if you want players to believe that this place is special, there can't be games in November for double-digit win teams where the stadium is 40% empty. Like, that, that is something that coaches notice, players notice, and recruits notice. Yeah. And if... This fan base wants to be the fan base that people believe it is and believe it can be because we've all seen what Nippert looks like exploded. It's got to be better. And I got a lot of pushback on that. And I spent a lot of time arguing and blocking a lot of fucking idiots on Twitter um, (laughs) that told me I had no clue what I was talking about. It didn't matter the coaches. It didn't matter the players. And... You know, fans are free to do whatever they want to do. It, it was 2019. The team had just won at USF on a Sam Crosa game-winning field goal. Came home to play Temple on senior night. Yeah. It was It was cold out. Warren's Mets get a, got a big paw on, on the extra point, blocked it. 15-13 victory. I, I think Kobe had the game-stealing interception. Maybe it was Derek Forrest had, Ooh, had the game-stealing interception, too. Uh, but yeah, Chad, you mentioned that numerous times about how people know it matters it. Yeah. to the people that matter. And then that next game was on the road at, at Memphis. So I don't know if everyone was like, well, we still have to. That was the Ben Bryant game. Yeah, we still have to go to Memphis. So why does it matter? Yeah. But they had to win I that game say, in order to play in the AAC championship game. I will say, though, like the one, there's two sides of the coin because when we stunk. There'd be like forty to fifty percent of the people in the stadium in 2018, 2017. But yeah. the, everyone that was there, loud as shit. Like, sure, it, it was the yeah. So like, this is not a shot at the people that were there. No, no. And then then the people that 
then like it matters too because when you do do it like when for that like 2022 season 2021 season i'm sorry yeah, where like just happening well first notre dame at notre dame damn near it was like a bearcat home game yeah, literally. It wasn't as many. There's probably like, I don't know, 20,000 Bearcat fans there, but like sounded like there was 80. It was probably 60, 40 or whatever. Yeah. And then you get to the um, the end of the year and at the championship game. And like, I, I always like try to explain to like my friends or just people that know football and have been to a lot of stadiums. Like that place was absolutely insane. And like, that meant so much to us, meant so much to me, like something I'm never going to forget. And I know everyone else on the team feels the same way. Just how, like you just felt like you felt like the fans were like a part of the team because they were so loud, so into it. Like not a, not a single seat was empty. And you just felt like just the everyone felt the magic and you just really felt like everyone was on the same team and then rushing the field like that's all still on the table. And I don't like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if we need to expand the stadium because that atmosphere, like you don't need to add 10,000 seats to Nippert. To, They're like, not going to add, they will never add a massive yeah. number of general admission seating because there's no money in it. It's just throwing money down the drain. If they expand again, the majority will be premium seating and then they will add whatever, uh, general admission to, you know, regular seating that they can around that. But if, if anything expands, it's going to basically look like a mirror to the premium stuff on the press box side on the shank pavilion side with whatever they can, you know, work in for a reasonable price in terms of general admission seating. Yeah. And I mean, just, look, yeah. let's be real. Stadiums are getting smaller, not bigger. Yeah, they are. And are you talking about Northwestern? About what? Are you referencing Northwestern? No. Why okay. would I talk about Northwestern? That's why I was asking. Washington State. Or okay. Think about no, Cincinnati you as a compare. city. In the fall, you're going to have – you have Bearcats, Bengals, Reds. Reds, yeah. FC like, Cincinnati. That's – that's what that like, goes into October, November. FC Cincinnati. That's a, yeah, that's a hundred and sixty thousand seats you need to fill, and that could like during a week, on a weekly basis almost. Yeah. So, and that's gonna like that's hard to do. So the way you make money is adding premium seating. It's not adding general admission seating. Yeah. You, you don't pay a hundred million dollars to add seats that cost fourteen dollars a game. Yeah, Just, Nippert Nippert sounds like there's like ninety thousand people in there, so you don't yeah. you don't need you don't need to. Expand. You'll attest to this when there was five thousand people in Nippert during COVID. It oh still got God. pretty loud, dude. It was that COVID game was crazy how loud yeah. it was. I couldn't the believe it. Game? Well, there wasn't five thousand people in there. We know that for damn sure. No, there was, there, it was there a little more. Like, a little more than that. Eight, eight to ten, yeah. Yeah, someone let someone was sneaking in the stadium. Maybe a couple people, but yeah, Chad, what's a, a big rant about the this one question? What's a realistic <laughs> Chad mode? What's a realistic number that could be added with that general mix of general admission and premium seating within the next ten years? I think if you get to forty-seven-five, okay, that's yeah, an that's ideal number. number for me. That's more than Baylor. 
a little over 45. I think 45,000 is seen as like small, I guess. That's more than Baylor, TCU, Houston, and UCF. If you get I think if you get to 47, if you can find a way to get to 47.5, you're in the sweet spot. As long as those TV checks continue to cash, uh, you know, the rest yeah, of the, Anything the is possible. John Cunningham at the groundbreaking of the indoor facility said, this is a Big 12 facility. And I asked him, it I was is. like, you want that to be a Big 12 facility? Is there any interest in making Nippert more of a Big 12 facility just from a size standpoint? So if if he wants Big 12 facilities, you're going to have to add some sort of seating to get to the middle of the pack in the Big 12. Are they? I don't care. Are they the smallest or second? Like, I don't care about that because you know what you can do. You can raise prices to where you make money as a middle of the road Big 12 facility, even though you don't have the seats of a Big 12. Like, even though you're not in the middle in terms of, like, number of seats. If they get to 47.5 after Texas and Oklahoma leave, that's definitely middle, middle of the pack. So. Is that, like, what? what is it? What do you think the benefit of it is? Like, is because it's, like, the noise is already, it's already going to be, like, one of the louder stadiums in the conference. Yeah. Do you think that's what, do you think, like, when he refers to this being a Big 12 facility is because he wants more people in there or does he just want more money to be made well he was talking about the indoor practice facility is a big 12 facility keegan's point was you need more seats to make nipper a big 12 level i don't agree with that i i do think down the road five seven whatever years from now once you've established yourself in the big 12 that there is space for a renovation to add to like shank pavilion and that portion of the stadium um, I don't think it's a necessity in terms of like atmosphere, like uh, big 12 fans will tell you over the next five years, I went to Nippert stadium and that was as good of an atmosphere as I've ever been involved in, in college football, because guess what? Big East fans did that when they first started coming to Nippert stadium and said, Oh shit, this place is legit as a college football stadium. And that was before the press box was redone. And all the premium seats were added on that side. So I don't look at that the way that you do, Keegan, because I've seen it from the inside on how teams that kind of thumb their nose at Nippert before they come into Nippert. And then they play at Nippert and go, oh, that's as good as that's as good an environment as anywhere we played. And I also think it's tough because you can't um, you can't like water down the aesthetic that it has now right like i feel like the most sensible addition would to ra- would be to round out the student section but then you block the view i don't know the name of that building what's the name of that dirtle building? you can't block the view of dirtle it's, it's yeah un- it's non-negotiable yeah so to to add seats while not doing that is tough so it may, it's already a tough situation yeah. i think ryan brought up brought up the point earlier about the fact that the Reds, the Bengals, yeah, FC Cincinnati, and all that. Uh, I, there's no other team in all of the Big Twelve that has to rival anything like that. Might be the so, whole country, quite possibly. In the Definitely. same city, it might be the whole country, mm-hmm. but it's also yeah. we're we're I, in. You go. No, go. I mean, LA. I mean, like UCLA, USC. Yeah, like they don't nobody cares. They, they, they don't. They they don't actually care about sports out there. Yeah. But, 
Um, but I mean, you have, you know, Chicago and there, there's certainly teams that had that, uh, New York, um, some of your Florida teams, like you had that. I, I think that's why Miami struggles. Yeah, but you Univers- don't have University of Miami money. and University of Miami, in fact, struggles with people coming you to their games. The point is you don't have it in a market this small where in September, October, November into college basketball where there's 10,000 Xavier fans and every one of them are butts in seats at Xavier games. And then you see basketball where you have 11, 12,000 people every night there. So you're in this window for UC football that's really difficult, mm-hmm. especially if the Reds maintain yeah. success. The Reds are good. That means they're playing into October. The Bengals are good. They dominate mm-hmm. the market from yeah. Labor Day to Valentine's Day, essentially. Pretty much. FC Cincinnati has their niche now. Like they're winning. Personally, they have established winning, their right? niche. Yeah. And then you have. Xavier and UC basketball that enter at the back end of it. Like the, the, if you look at the population to uh, entertainment dollar, there's more here if everybody's good. And who knows? Like, we don't, we can't guarantee that what's happening right now continues. But this is a tricky window for UC football where the Bengals are expected to be great for a long time. The Reds are looking like they're entering an open window to at least be in contention for for playoff first. Not if Luke Weaver time. keeps pitching. You just ate your microphone. That was the worst audio we've had the entire show. Not if Luke Weaver keeps pitching. We Don't get, get me started. <laughs> Three Tuesdays from now, I might go off. Keegan's fired. What was that? What was that about? Three Tuesdays from now. Um. And then, you know, like you just have so much competition for entertainment value that I don't know that 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 going anywhere above 45, 47, 5, like I, I left that as a like an arbitrary number. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense for this football program to like really like maximize uh, spending what it would cost to add that type of seating uh, and get that return on investment. There's also a level of, there's two reasons we're really talking about this. The main one is they're in the big 12 now and they're, there's expected to be more of a demand. The other one is from 2019 to 2021, the, the, it turned into a completely different program with completely different prospects. And from that, that span, correct me if I'm wrong, they were the only semi-competitive team in the city that was like promising championships that had potential to be at the top of what they were doing. So now you're shifting those expectations into what you just said about the Reds, Bengals, FC Cincinnati, UC basketball on the up and up. That's going to overlap. Go look look at 08, 09, like that window. The Bengals were dreadful. Like they were in a, a downturn. The Reds were not good. Like that was right before they were coming the up. Votto, Bruce, like that, Todd Frade, like that resurgence. And then uh, 2020, 2021, like Burrow hadn't been entrenched. Like he had the knee injury. Like they weren't 
They hadn't gone to the Super Bowl like that. You know what I mean? They did after the fact. One was that year, yeah. Well, it was after the fact though. Like that was not a. They were not great that year. They got hot in the playoffs and made it to the Super Bowl. But that was not a season that was like the Bengals are kicking ass. Yeah, everybody's on board. You want to say now? Yeah. Right now, the Bengals are kicking ass. Everybody's on board. The Reds are hot. FC Cincinnati's the best team in the MLS. Mm-hmm. Xavier's got Sean Miller. The Bearcats, like, say what you will, but like that is for that fan base. They believe in that shit. Yeah. And UC's got an entrance, a ticket into the best conference, basketball conference in the country. All right. Great That's question. A lot of, it's a lot of money. Great question, Mad Dog. That was, I, I think, wins the award the longest, for the longest answer of the mailbag yeah, ever. Ever. Um, so, so well it's done. A great topic. It's a great topic yeah. as we're Clear, as we're entering into this window. Clearly, we were all biting at the chomp to give our input on that. Chomping uh, at the bit. What is biting at the chomp? <laughs> it's fine. I kind of liked it. It's late. I liked it. I just need to know uh, what Brent, chomp is. Like, we, why I don't, are we I don't even. I don't know. I don't even know if we got Brent's take, but regardless, uh, <laughs> moving on. Are we still worried about putting pressure on the QB part two? Uh, this um, is in response. Killer V asked this question earlier in the season. Yeah. And he is asking now. Yes. Like, I, I still think we are at a position where, like, let's see in a game how how this defense gets home. Um, is it going to be – the the nature of this question was on the defensive front, the like the the defensive line getting to the quarterback. Um, where I think we are starting to feel a little bit more comfortable is it's going to be a lot of guys getting to the quarterback because you're going to see uh, Dorian Jones trying to get to the quarterback. You're going to see Deshaun Pace coming at the quarterback regularly. You're going to see Brian Threats, uh, who over this past week has been a guy that. They don't blitz him a lot. When they do blitz him, he tends to be in the quarterback's face. So um, I am still worried about a power defensive line and how they get upfield consistently on their own, but it's a blitzing system. So I'm a little, uh, I'll see, I'll believe it when I see it in terms of in-game action. Where are you at, Keegan? You've been there every day. Um, I guess I, I'm not worried about it at all, but I guess there could be a deeper thing. Just seeing the amount of size. Let me, let me just like, I'll give you my thought process on There's not a my J on this roster. There's not a, and you could argue Greshik and I would, I would take that argument because he's been really good in camp. Um, who is the guy that you look at that like, this is our pass rushing specialist. And I just had a, like, we had a conversation here a couple weeks back about I need to see somebody become that guy. Mm -hmm. So that's where this question comes from. So you don't see Dante or Juwan as pass rushing specialists? No. I think they're power inside defensive linemen that can stop the run and occasionally collapse the pocket to make the quarterback uncomfortable. Then I guess my answer would be Daniel Greshik. I think just from that edge standpoint, I think he's shown yeah. enough during camp that he can get to it. And I think he's going to feed off of 
the havoc that they create, maybe sometimes drawing double teams and then get through. So when this question happened, we had not seen anything at camp yet. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, I, I just expressed some concern that, like, I want to see it at camp. Uh, I think we've seen Greshik do that. I think we've seen Eric Phillips do that more than maybe we've written about. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, uh, not worried, but still, show me in a game. Show me in a game. To add, anything to add from what you've seen yet, Brent? Uh, man, that scheme. That scheme can, can solve a lot of issues, man. I love the aggression. That's it. Um, how much has the needle moved in the expected win-loss in in 2023 after watching the team at camp so far? I believe it started at four and a half. Um, I got up to five and a half. Uh, There was another question here in the mailbag that asks about four and a half again. I don't know if it got back down to four and a half. No, you're still at four and a half. If it was at four and a half. Half, I would comfortably bet the over. At five and a half, it's still that's a that's a gamble. Like it's five, Name the game. five to seven range, five to seven wins range is where I'm at right now. Because we like the offense still is going to take some time to show consistency. So I, I'm <laughs> I would bet four and a half easily. Uh, five and a half, it, like I, I probably would lower my uh, dollar amount on five and a half. Yeah, uh, four and a half. I'm taking that alone, and my girlfriend's gonna yell at me again. Um, <laughs> five and a half. I'm still taking the over. Uh, I, I mean, I just, I just see too many games that are winnable um, for it to not be confident for for over. It's- Especially with the Ohio or the Iowa State stuff that's been coming out. Yeah, that's late. they're they, like they've lost a lot of their roster at this point. Right. Uh, I'm I'm still of the the belief that their floor is six wins and their ceiling is eight wins. That's that's where I've been for probably two months now. Um, and having been at camp, kind of, I'm even more solid in that belief. Um, Keegan, Keegan, I think they have C- Caesars has it at five even, and then DraftKings is at five and a half. Um, I think so, I bet five. I bet over on five even. Okay, I think I would take the over two. I just think the first two weeks you're going to know. So I, I think it's well if they're not two and zero after the first two weeks, like then we got a it, fucking problem. Over on it, five even is the same as five and a half. What's the one thing it comes no, down to? No, because five can be a push. No. If, if you're betting the over, it's got to be over five. Yeah. What's the what, Keegan? What's the one thing it comes down to? If they're Emory gonna... Jones. Okay. Offense. Yeah, Emory Jones. Offense. I, I, Emory Jones specifically, I think that's what it is. Yeah. If he can just be... I think if he can be consistent, not turn the ball over too much... Rush for forty yards a game. I think they, I think that goes over. Hit the checkdowns. Rush for forty yards a game. Yeah. Ryan, Make what you one got? or two plays over the top. Yeah. I think it'd be a. Uh, man, I'd say five and a half is 
I say would. I, I think I'm still taking the over a five and a half. Yeah, I would. I think this team can win seven games um, without like breaking the bank, you know. But so, did you guys hear the noise in year two in 2018 that like the the ceiling was a bowl game? Get the six and six. I don't remember that. I just we just knew we were gonna be good. It was like this weird, like we had no reason to think we were because we like were so because you were bad. dog shit the year oh before. My God, we you should have won so one game the year before. <laughs> I know, but like it was just we just had such a good off season in the winter, then had a great spring and fall camp. We just like we just felt like we were on a mission. It was like it was like we are not coming back from Pasadena without a win. And like yeah. once that happened, it was like yeah, we're gonna win a lot of football games this year. And we and weren't even did. like that great of a team, like in terms of like our play. Like no, we had you were sloppy players. as fuck. Yeah, we had good players like, <laughs> in good spots, but like they were like very raw. Like like guys yeah. still had guys end up getting. So there were just mistakes too. of a young team. A lot of mistakes of a young yeah. team. Yeah. Well, and this leads us right into the easy question of how much money would you put on the over for the original Vegas over under of four and a half wins? So we'll start with Ryan on this end, real quick, just to go reverse order. <laughs> Yeah, I we were the 50 on it when, when we realized it live on the show. I wish I'd go, I'd go put a freaking grand on it, thinking back on it. I couldn't believe that opportunity. Who who called it out? Was it Brent? Brent. Yeah. The, the limit who probably exist. did put a grand on it. <laughs> the limit does not exist. Yeah. Quote, Keegan, quote Keegan said something to me the, today about betting a significant amount of money on something, and I was like, "What is a significant amount of money to you?" He's like, fifty dollars." <laughs> no. Kids, I feel that. I feel that. Kids. <laughs> because I, I have like kids. <laughs> yeah. Next. Question. Anybody? Uh, I'll put. I I put five hundred on four and a half. Like take the now over on four and a half. Now I got five hundred on that. Yeah. And then if it wins, right. I'll give you guys a little, you know, a little taste, a little, a little wet the beak, a little boost. <laughs> uh, how good will the first team defense be compared to the conference? I don't where know. Do you think, where do you think the second team falls in previous years? The second team was easy to easy top five in the AAC, but now we are in the Big Twelve. Yeah, the second team would be last in the Big Twelve. Like, come on, personally, we're not, we're not talking about the AAC anymore. Personally, I think it's going to be better than at least Iowa State due to the mess they have going on there currently. The second team would be last in the Big Twelve. This is not, we're not, we're not playing kid games anymore. Like, you know, like you know when you like when you go to the amusement park and you play the kid games as compared compared to like the rigged adult games. Like where you got to shoot a jump shot from like 27 feet into a rim that's like one inch bigger around than the size of the basketball. Like that's the, the two different things. Well, I think you're to the point where you're going to see a much harsher just roster cut roster cuts where we haven't seen roster cuts the same where if you're not getting into the two deep by your third year, you're politely asked to find somewhere else to play. I mean that, but but that was the case here already. Like there was already a standard here that's different than the teams that were in the American Athletic Conference. Correct, because they were looking at bigger picture, and they had come from bigger programs. 
And that, I think to that, your point, everybody else is already at that level. I get what you're saying. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. yeah, like, look, I think the first team defense will be top half of the conference, top quarter of the conference. The second team defense would be the worst defense in the conference. Like, the, 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 those days of, like, our second team defense is better than everybody else, except for maybe one or two teams, are gone. Erase that from your memory, Mark. Don't think about that. Don't let that uh, enter your stream of consciousness ever again. It's over. Yeah, I don't think that was a priority for this staff to restore the second team defense when they came in. I think, I think. No, 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 no. It's not about. It's just about you were in the American and you had so many good players that your second team defense was better than all but two or three defenses in the conference. That doesn't. That you're in a, a power conference now. That's not how it works. Like even Alabama's second team defense or Georgia's second team defense is one of the worst defenses in the SEC. Like that that's that's maybe not Georgia right now, but maybe not Alabama at the peak of Alabama, but you get what I'm saying like you don't just get to be like that far. Cincinnati, Roy Roy will tell you, for 3 years Cincinnati was that far ahead of the pack that the second team defense could have took the field and been one of the top two or three defenses in the American. That's not going to happen in the Big 12. It's not. No. Am I wrong, though, Ryan? No, you're right. You're right. I agree with you. I guess I was just – I was looking at it as, like, depth. Like, depth at four to five positions coming in and kind of contributing. I guess that's what I was looking at it as. They weren't kind of set on restoring that as other – My point is everybody has that in the Big 12. Like, that's yeah. how it works now. You're in yeah. a league where everybody has that depth. Yeah, I got you. Anything to add there, Brent? No, they're doing a great job. <laughs> uh, what has a bigger effect to the success of the season, Emory Jones play or the offensive tackles? Emory Jones. Very good question. Offensive tackle. Great question. Ryan? Uh... Oh, man. I think offensive tackles because, one, the run game. Two, uh, Emery is going to be Emery. He can make things happen. And if you just make his life living hell, kind of like what happened with Ben. Granted, Emery and Ben are, are two different players, but if you're just getting ran at, no matter how athletic you are, you're not going to be as good as you can in the pocket, and you're not going to be able to make as many plays. So The, the argument I, Dave made, Ryan, was if it's a tackle – it's generally coming to the outside and that leaves you an escape route. So at least if you're a mobile quarterback and let's not kid ourselves, we love Ben Bryant. Ben was not outrunning many people. (laughs) So like his escape routes are different than Emory Jones. If Emory Jones can escape out the front, like if the guards and centers are, are good, he's going to have room to escape out the front. Um, so I get like where the question is coming from. Yeah. I, I I still think like Emory Jones has to be sharp in the intermediate and the, the screen game and the flare game. Like that's the stuff that's going to sustain drives. He throws and Keegan will attest. He throws a very, very good deep ball that he's got. 45, 50, 55 yards of carry on. 
So he, he's got the wide receivers to catch the deep ball. But he's got to be more effective and efficient in the short and intermediate stuff to keep the chains moving with that running game so that then you can go over the top and make, you know, the touchdown plays. Yeah, that intermediate game is going to take a big hit, though, if you're going to have to step up and maybe take a couple steps yeah. to your left and right. Um, yeah. And granted, no matter how athletic you are, um, you're not as good – is you you're not as good running scrambling around as you are getting into get your drop step back pick your guy go through your progression and throw your ball without sure. having guys breathing down your neck you know the and, clock is the clock moves much faster if your tackles suck yeah yeah I'm gonna and double we down need with a run Ryan. game man we need a run game we need we need to establish a run game especially with the outside zone we're gonna be running like if our tackles are bad that that shit is not gonna work at all. If you don't have tackles that can seal the edge and get up to the, the linebackers. So you stole my point. I was going to say uh, <laughs> with, with Emery, Emery's one phase of the offense. You also have the run game. And if you don't have tackles, then that is not going to work well with an outside run game. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with you in that regard. So I, I will also say offensive tackles. Just just real quick, though, but if, if the offensive tackles are decent – and Emery is phenomenal, I think the team would do better than if the offensive tackles are phenomenal and Emery is just decent, if that makes sense. That's a great point, Brent Young. Yes, I agree. So that's why Emery's my answer there. What would your win total be for this team if they were in the AAC this year? Also, can you elaborate on the differences you see with this run scheme compared to last year? What even was the scheme last year? Is this scheme married to the zone, or will we still will we still see occasional powers and counters? Uh, I don't uh, care what this team's win total would be in the American this year. Stop asking questions about the American. I don't give a fuck about that no, league. I don't trip care. To Rice would be tough. I tell you what. <laughs> I'd say eight wins. <laughs> Eight or nine. Ten. Easy. Like ten. ten. Easy. Ten. Ten. The AAC is it's poo-poo. It's poo-poo. On a platter. Next question. Ten. Well, Next question. All right. Um, this one came in late. Uh, what is the ceiling for Emory Jones with Coach Scott Satterfield? Calling the plays, could Emory potentially have a Malik-type season, or are the two quarterbacks too different in talent? What is realistic? Keegan, you've seen the most of Emory out of, out, of, out of all of Watch Malik Keegan. Cunningham. Watch Malik Cunningham. I don't think they're all that different. I'm sorry, Aaron. My bad. I, like, uh, they're both guys I did, that – I didn't expect you to pop back in to answer a question. <laughs> Sorry, though, like Kelsey's taking a shower. The puppy is downstairs. The two dogs I'm, are fighting. There's a lot going I'm on. Working, I'm, I'm working with the hand I got. I know. Um, I don't see a huge difference between Emory Jones and Malik Cunningham. Malik might be a little more shifty, where Emory's a little bit more uh, hit the gap and just run uh, and not like a lot of like moves in open space, if you know what I mean. Frill. Um, yeah. But. I don't think they're that different. Yeah, and I think they I mean they trained with the same quarterback 
trainer in the offseason. That's kind of how Emory Jones ended up at Cincinnati. That's, a, looked, that's a good nugget. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? Oh, it was okay. in his article. Yeah, he – he came to Cincinnati off the recommendation of Malik Cunningham because Malik Cunningham said, I would I would put my life in Scott Satterfield's hands. And Emory Jones went on the visit, and it all worked out. Um, I think his ceiling, and this could be like way blown out of proportion, based on the talent that he had in high school, based on how highly recruited he was. He's finally in a situation where he's comfortable and his head coach isn't on the hot seat. He could – be on that list of like 10 Heisman finalists. If he can have that season where he's a dual threat guy, he has a really good deep ball. If they could beat Oklahoma, he has a really good game at Oklahoma. They win nine to 10 games. I think that's his ceiling. But I also see that as he's so talented and that he has the best season he could possibly have. I think he's on that list of people that like got votes for the Heisman. Well, if he's doing that, then if he's that, I think there's other people around him also winning awards. So yes, Miles Montgomery could easily do that too. I think that's how elite he is. If so. he's doing that, the tackles just have to be decent, and the team would be really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 also, uh, hey man, what's what's the ceiling? The ceiling is the roof, baby. The ceiling is the roof. Yeah, but it's just based off his talent, like saying his ceiling is this team wins seven games is unfair. I don't I don't think that's his ceiling. His ceiling is a lot higher than what people expect him to do. Watch that highlight on the Bears Twitter. Watch that highlight. Look how pretty that ball is. Yeah, I mean he's he's confident and you saw in the camp tapes today, they treat him as like a second coach or like a young coach on the team. So I, I, I like the fact that he's comfortable with Pete Thomas and Scott Satterfield. They're going to let him run the offense, and they're going to let him they're going to let him fly. I think that could really pay dividends. Brian, you coming back or am I moving on? Moving on. Moving on. Base. You, you Sorry, got you I'm got some, some water. That's all right. You got something for me on this? Um, I kind of. I don't know. I, I haven't really seen much of Emory, um, to be honest. I know that sure. he's I know that he's won starting positions at two programs before this. He's got a lot of talent. I think you know, this year when he's like established as the guy and like he's he's kind of roped in the whole offseason as the guy and coaches believe in him and they're they're probably drafting up an offense and trying to develop the schemer on him and his talents. And I think his abilities match really well with Satterfield's tendencies. Um, I uh, I think he'd be better than Malik Cunningham, to be honest with you. I think he can throw the ball better. Um, I think he has more experience. And I don't know about getting Heisman votes, but I think someone who really elevates their, their draft stock and someone that, that yeah. kind of just gets yeah. on a national scale. Um, the Heisman would be awesome. Yeah. Dark horse, I don't know big, about the dark big, horse. No, I'm saying dark horse, Big Twelve offensive player of the year, though. Mm, who else was it? There, I feel like they're gonna be they're gonna be uh, leaning if you, on, if you can, on Jaden um, Quinn Ewers, Daniels, Daniels, Jaden Daniels, yeah, Daniels maybe. But I'm not saying that I think that's going to happen. I'm just saying yeah, if he yeah. if he plays up to the talent which he was recruited at. 
I think that could happen. And just like you said, the draft stock, I think his ceiling could be he's a third or fourth round pick next year. Late third, yeah. early, mid fourth. Dylan, Gabriel. Yeah, they love yeah. Gabriel, man. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. I agree with that. With the, the third, fourth. All right. Based on the practices you've seen, if you had to pick today, who would you say you believe will be the biggest difference maker on this team? Emory Jones. One name. <laughs> Emory Jones. Yeah. Emory right. Jones or Deshaun Pace. One of the two. Ooh, Deshaun. Dana Greshik also is another is honorable mention. I'm forgetting about the Godfather, man. Hey, Dante Corleone. I'm just I'm just booking, in defense. Yeah. I'm booking that he's gonna be first team like all Big Twelve and he's gonna do his job, which is second awesome. team all American by the Athletic today. The question is very simple. Who would you believe will be the biggest difference maker on this team? It'd probably be the second team all American. Oh yeah. So I will say Jawan Briggs, because if everybody else goes to the level that they're expected to go to, and Jawan Briggs has a better than and can be a difference maker, then all of a sudden if everybody if if Dante is a second team all American as expected to be currently, if Jawan has a stellar season, I think that's a huge difference maker. Yeah, but I see difference maker is like X factor. Like if this person is good, UC can be good. I'm I'm expecting that front line to be good. And I think Dante Corleone isn't the biggest difference maker because of Juan Briggs. So that's where I think Daniel Greshett comes in as an X factor and then obviously Emory Jones. We just I got two names. The questions are friendly. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take your names of course you, and then of course you do and pick two other names. Braden Smith, because he has a chance to be a guy that moves the chains on an offense that is going to be about moving the chains. Can they move the chains consistently? I I think we have a pretty good feel for they're going to be able to hit big plays. We've talked this week about all the big plays that they've hit. Who is going to be the guy to move the chains on third and six, third and four? Braden Smith looks to be that most logical option right now. And then my second guy, when they can't move the ball on third and six, Mason Fletcher. Because if he's going to continue to put opposing offenses 87 yards from the end zone, that's really hard to do against a good de- We think this is going to be a really good defense, right? If the opposing team has to go 87 yards every time to get a score, then Mason Fletcher is going to be the guy that is responsible for that many times. We also need Jim Trestle to be the head football coach in tandem with Mason <laughs> The most, the I, most Chad, important you, thing yeah. you can do is punt. Yeah. Chad, you brought out like that deep memory about that. I, I totally forgot about just like the – the Jim's Jimmy Smith with let's just get a couple first downs like that was let's early. get two first downs and put them at the 12. Yeah. Cause fickle was just in his like trestle bag back then. Here is, here is where Jimmy Smith was maybe one of the, my favorite punters ever. It never went in the end zone. One touchback in his entire fucking career. And that he, was a mistake. Yeah. he Like it should have been down at the one. Play. It was a mistake. Like he never put it in the end zone. He pinned you 
from the 15 to the one almost every time, I think that's going to be Mason Fletcher this year. Although, like, we got to get a better feel on the Gunners. Like, we got to we got to know who are the who are the A plus Gunners this year. Chad okay. Brendel with the early Ray Guy Award for one Mason Fletcher. I mean, listen to all those names we listed. Didn't even say like Miles Montgomery. There's some studs on the team. God damn. All right. <laughs> Brent, Brent, Brent. So mad. Get the blood to the rest of your body. Like, oh, and get the blood to the rest of your body. That's the, that's the football portion of the mailbag. Moving on to the basketball portion of the mailbag. Finally, Jesus, that was a long segment. That was an hour. That was an hour segment on like seven questions. Uh, I don't I guess know. The obvious question right I now. I don't know what's going to happen <laughs> with the waivers. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Cool. He came in well, hot. <laughs> still going to ask. Uh, I guess the obvious question right now is if we don't get waivers for Aziz or Jamil, what is the plan for adding a big or are we sitting on what we got right now? Seems pretty late to me to be adding players. How late is too late? And let's let, let's just move this right into the uh, another question here, which is, would UCB able to add any bigs if Aziz and Jamil are denied their waivers? I think those probably two questions not. are are hand in hand. Just probably not. Tell Sage Tolentino the time is now, baby. Aloha. I think the roster is what it is. The waivers are what they are. Uh, hang loose. Here's here's the question. Order Mocha Mocha. Shaka, bruh. If they don't, if one of them doesn't get the waivers, if they don't get the, if neither of them do, where is the panic button located? Is it on the shelf? Is it out in its case? Is the case open? Are you hitting the panic button? I have I, mine in my pocket. Ryan's actually hitting it right now on his phone. <laughs> yeah. What'd you say, Chad? I don't panic. You don't panic. Okay. <laughs> I, I, All right. I just, I, I'm not. I'm not going to make the joke that I was going to make because it makes people uncomfortable. So I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Moving on. I mean, are you going to say but, something but, like the panic buttons in your ass or something? Like that? <laughs> no, I'm going to say something along the lines of my wife died. I'm not Saw panicking it over. It's coming a mile away. I'm not panicking over whether two guys get uh, waivers or not to play college basketball. It's so like, far from the panic buttons in my ass. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. right. <laughs> I thought we were taking a more lighthearted take on it. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. Dark humor all the time. It's like punch all the time. The worst Adam Sandler movie. I mean, I mean, it does. It, the the recent happenings in football does kind of make. make seem a little it's ominous it sucks yeah just don't yeah. make a clap chad we'll see <laughs> that button would be beeping <laughs> moving on that button ain't has, bumping. That button. has there been a second transfer waiver granted in any sport by the ncaa it's probably no. to look into and see what the facts of the cases that do get waivers granted versus those that do it's not. gonna be it's gonna be really interesting because there's gonna be a bunch of mental health waivers that are denied or that have been denied that are going to be taken to court that are going to be appealed they're going to be challenged and then the season's going basketball to <laughs> basketball is uh, secondary in this wave like I don't believe UC has officially submitted waivers on either guy yet like the official final 
waiver because it only makes sense to kind of hold your cards right now and see what they're doing with all the other sports and then adjust accordingly. Um, we'll see. I, I like I Do I feel great about either? No. Do I feel Aziz probably deserves a transfer waiver given all of the things that happened there? Yeah. Jamil, I, I feel less confident about that one because it doesn't seem to match up with like what the NCAA is trying to kind of put their foot down against. But we've also seen these situations where the NCAA tries to put their foot down and the court system, the legal system says, uh, you guys are fucking wrong. And then everything flips. So I think it's important to kind of wait and see how this process plays out across the board. What happens in football, you know, the the Florida State kid that like he came home to be close to his family and like people that were in bad health or like whatever the case may be. Like, yeah, yeah, like uh, that's all of a sudden, like you're not allowed to go back home to be close to your family that's going through a tough time. Like, what are we doing? That's the thing that the NCAA is trying to put their foot down against. Right. The fuck out of here. What is, what is, what is wrong with you people where teams are just leaving their conference that they've been in for a hundred years to go try to cash a check for $10 million more every year. But the kids that are caught in the middle of a coach leaving or a family member getting sick or like, those are the people that we're going to screw in this money grab process. The fuck out of here. COVID season's being lost and, and you don't even play a game and you're considered uh, the whole thing is dumb. Uh, you've got, you've got board meetings with dudes and in, in sand traps on golf courses. And that's the one that's, that's a okay, man. I, the, the whole thing is bad, but it, I think if they get at least just one, just, just get one. I mean, that's Sam is not wrong. Just sue and play during the appeal process. Yeah. Because if you sue and there's like a a stay or a waiver, like if the courts are like, well, your case is not until April, you know what? Go fuck yourself, NCAA. Right. Like we'll play all the way till April. Until they try and say that you lose that year of eligibility because you played through you suing and all of that. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's fine. You're off to the NBA. Yeah, you're off to the. They're off to go, to go make money. More money. I mean, it's it's, it's just so stupid. Like you said, Chad, it's so it, dumb that they're putting their foot down on on this. It's, it's, but it's I the agree. only thing they feel like. That's what's happening. It's like, well, we have we don't have we can't it's we a, don't have another leg to stand on. It's a knee jerk reaction on this. It's a knee jerk reaction to the players taking power from the NCAA right. and then being like, "What the fuck are we? Uh, what what else are we gonna do? Because we've lost all power." So this is the one thing we're going to take a stand on. Stupid, yeah. Ryan. As a, as a former athlete, I I would expect you to be as upset. Yeah, I uh, I think the NCAA's had this problem of just dying on the wrong hills for a long time, and you know they tried they kind of tried to right the ship with NIL, and in some ways they did, in some ways they opened Pandora's box, and now they're kind of stopping every. All their fo- stopping out all the good fire they had going with NIL and um, the transfer and uh, 
letting guys be able to transfer. Now they're stopping out with conference realignment and doing these waiver bullshits. So you never know. Once you open it, Pandora's box, you're in the box. Yeah. You can't get uh, out of the box. <laughs> All right. Are we still involved with portal guard Tarion Maddox or 6'8 Dylan Grant from Michigan, a late 23 reclass? Uh, that's something that only Chad can answer, and I'm not sure if he's around. So maybe we'll just push a pin in that. Yeah. Moving on. With a full roster, is this team more likely to play a pressing and trapping defense than Miller's previous UC teams? And if not, why not size at lead guard? I mean, I, I'll say, yeah. I, I think Wes has been trying to install his his pressing defense as we saw last year in the beginning of the year to to a fault almost he was trying to get that press going tried his damnedest yeah so yeah i think uh i think with i think the two guards are the reason why because they can really be you know attack at the at the top and really put pressure on and yeah death pieces too length on the wings Keegan, have you seen enough yeah. UC ball to, to add anything? I'm not even going to try. Fair enough. Understandable. <laughs> uh, would UC be able – we already asked that one. Um, what is the over-under for wins without Aziz and Jamil versus having both or at least one? I know we didn't talk about the scheduling. I think this kind of goes into the scheduling. Um, I, I – believe that was something that you did want to talk about Brent earlier yeah. on. I mean, I'll just, I'll, I think, I'll I think this is, this is, this is where you get a chance to, to talk about the schedule. Right? Yeah. I, well, I mean, obviously the whole, uh, it's kind of not like leaked, but like, you know, there's been tweets out there. Someone, you know, compiled Cincinnati's uh, non-conference schedule. It's, it's every game is in Cincinnati. Um, whether it be, you know, at, well, I guess one's in Norwood, but, Everything else is in Cincinnati, including technically out of the city of Cincinnati. Right. Even the neutral game against Dayton is also in Cincinnati. Um, So, I I mean, there's been a lot of, you know, clap back about that. And, you know, my favorite thing will be when they show that graphic, you know, that like Texas Southern has traveled 15,000 miles in their non-conference and Cincinnati has traveled three miles. Are you a little are you a little disappointed they didn't get an MTE? I'm a little disappointed. I mean, those things are years-in-the-making type situations. So. I'm sure Keegan's a little disappointed because he wanted to go to Hawaii or Maui or <laughs> something or, or something something in the Caribbean with the, the new allotment. For- or Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole being in the Big 12 covers up a lot of those sores, um, but it raises the importance to win that. Xavier game or that Dayton game, just so that you have, you know, one non-conference game where you can kind of say like, okay, well, neutral court Dayton, we won, you know, at Xavier was a win. Um, Cause if, if you kind of, you know, stub your toe a little bit, especially against some of those other teams, you, the margin for error in the big 12 is a lot, a lot slimmer. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It's interesting. It's fascinating. Not leaving Cincinnati. Wow. I'm putting the over under. It's, it's we're looking at at least if if how many how many non conference games are there? Twelve. Twelve, right? Twelve or thirteen. 
So if you're playing all of them at home or in a very close proximity to home, then your over-under has to be somewhere around 18, right? Um, oh, you think only six out of 18 wins in the conference? I'm just saying, I, I would think you're somewhere between 18 and 20. I, I w- wouldn't go much higher than that. But right. your first year in a new conference, as you're stepping up a conference, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so where, where, where is you, Mister Betting Aficionado? Man, if if Aziz and Jamil are both eligible, ceiling is the roof, baby. This this is with this is without. Um, without both, whew, man, oh, man, um, that eighteen's looking more reasonable. Yeah, it makes it more difficult. But I, you know, I I think even still, if you the good thing about that non conference is you can get you can raise the confidence of your team and you can make them, sure. you know, feel like they are meshing well, but then the competition takes a huge leap up, but still yeah. you punch them kind of, yeah, but confidence can kind of help you out a little bit there to, to, to cover up that disparity. But I don't know. Overall, it would be, it'd be tough to, to really have going, going higher than 20. You saying 22. I don't know. I'm not going to put a number on it because I'm going to hold out and still pray every day that Aziz and Jamil play. All right. Keegan, anything else to add to that? I think the 18 to 20 number would be – that would be right around where I would be. Um, I'm trying to remember who they're playing in the conference. Everyone in the Big 12? Is it ever? Is it literally everyone? Yeah. Okay. But And then, like, six are at and six yeah. are all, um, and then six yeah. are both. Or yeah, I think four, four, four. I would say the first year in the Big Twelve is going to be interesting. I'm trying to think of who they would definitely beat. BYU, UCF, UCF, maybe Iowa State, but still, Iowa State's always been really solid. Oklahoma okay, State, State yeah. Oklahoma, Oklahoma's on the up and up. I'm not they sure. are, but even Porter so, Moser's doing a good Porter. job. Yeah, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. All right. That is the – unless Chad comes back. I don't know where he went. Uh, that's the basketball portion of the mailbag. Um, moving on to the last portion, the – I feel like this portion always makes Ryan laugh more than anybody because it never goes rapid fire. But uh, good evening, yeah. gents. Welcome welcome to Rapid Fire where Aaron soul dies slowly every week. By the way, Skins had me pegged on where I bought – he sent me a, a DM where I bought my Cincy Light this weekend, and it terrified me that he knew exactly where I bought my Cincy Light. <laughs> terrified me. Uh, look at the bright side, Aaron. I did not come up with the money for you to do a rice preview. If Bearcat Reigns were to work jointly with a whiskey or bourbon distiller, who would you prefer? That's the first portion of the – uh, the bank's portion of the mail. I don't bag. know enough. Screwball. I don't know. Little little peanut butter boy. Yeah. Okay. Woodford. Okay. <laughs> Woodford Reserve. <laughs> How about uh, Pappy Van Bearcat? I feel like this is a very Chad question. I'm waiting for him. It is. Him. Where'd he go? In here. Maker's Mark. Happy Bear Bearcat. How about that? Buffalo Trace Joe Rogan Whiskey Bearcat Edition. 
like Blanton's Bearcat. Blanton's Bearcat alliteration coming back. Um, and put a Bearcat mascot instead of a horse. Do you know there there is a Bearcat bourbon no. out there already, but it's not affiliated with UC. Kenyon Martin's Maker's Mark. Ooh, Kenyon Maker's Mark. <laughs> Kenyon Martin's Mark. Nick Van Whiskey. Ooh, Nick Van Pappy. <laughs> uh, Jesus sandals Sauce. or <laughs> yeah, I, I just same thing. Sauce welder. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus sandals or flip flops. Flip flops. Flip flops. I'm not yeah. gonna do that. I don't put anything between my toes. I can't or, handle it. There's like Which one is that? Like, I, like the the I like the toes one. I like the I like the feet thong. I'm 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 here for slides all day. Slides. Yeah. So neither slides. neither. Supreme slides. Uh, Cat Williams. Or, this is so much better than when Chad. Oh, he's back. Son of Sorry, Kelsey turned the washer on, and it sounded like our house was going to flood. So I, was, I had to try to figure out what the hell was going on in our house. I was hoping you'd be gone until we finished the rapid fire. Yeah, I was going to come back for rapid fire for sure. <sighs> so here we are. <laughs> Your take yeah. on if Bear, if Bearcat Reigns were to work jointly with a whiskey or bourbon distiller, who would you prefer? Uh, I mean, I, I've always been a big, uh, like, uh, Woodford guy, so I guess <laughs> Woodford. Royer. I got you. Jesus sandals or flip-flops. Or four roses. Uh, slides. I'm with you on slides. Uh, and Cat Williams or Roy Wood Jr.? Roy Wood Jr.? Cat Williams. I don't know Cat if I Williams. listen to Roy Wood. I don't know who that Roy is. Roy Wood's good. I prefer Cat Williams. Cat Williams' voice is. Uh, I, I know that's his shtick, but that's his shtick. Like that's the point. And uh, P.S. Aaron, I left you a case of Cincy Light behind the Duncan on Forty Eight. Again, terrified that he knows <laughs> what where I was when I bought. And that isn't where I bought my Cincy Light, but that's very close to where I bought my Cincy Light terrified um yeah he's on to you the last question chad you were gone for are we still involved with portal guardian tarian medics or 68 dylan grant from michigan a late 23 reclass question mark uh maddox no uh dylan grant is he reclassed from 23 to 24 i don't think so like i think you got tyler mckinley you're pretty good on the uh the forward uh, portion of your recruiting class. I like Dylan Grant a lot, um, but uh, I think since that, especially with the way that uh, Tyler McKinley played at uh, NBA Players Camp and then uh, into like the Peach Sham, I think uh, Cincinnati's pretty happy with Tyler McKinley. And now he's coming home for for Well, we knew that. High I was school that weeks ago. And Bearcats. Yeah. Until he attends Winton Woods and decides that he doesn't want to go to the UC because nobody from Winton Woods ever goes to UC. That's the mailbag. Get us out of here, Brent. Football coach problem. Football coach problem. Chad, Chad, you went away from my Texas Southern 15,000 miles of travel in their non-conference and 
Bearcats three. That's good. That's going to be a graphic. That is going to be a graphic. <laughs> yeah. One of, uh, one of them is going to make a shit ton of money. <laughs> right. And the other, the other is you see. <laughs> right. Buy game, buy game, buy game, buy game, buy game for both. Sorry, teams. I, I, I thought my house was about to be flooded. Uh, I don't. I like you know the danger of the like being a single parent and doing this for two and two hours and forty three minutes is that Kelsey does things on her own uh, while I am here, and it sounded like my house was going to flood with water, and I had to figure out why that was happening. Danger. I think we're okay. Again, that's the mailbag. Get us out of here, Brent. Hey, you know what, guys? Gosh, golly darn. It Probably not a nightcap tonight. I need to make sure my house isn't underwater when I wake up in the morning. It was one heck of a show. Big shout out. Big thank you to Danco Joe at Danco Transmission and Auto Care. Big shout oh, out. Oh, 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 oh. I forgot to tell you guys. So Friday. Uh, my dad is like a, like a big cornhole guy. Like he goes to these, like there's places around town where they have like cornhole tournaments, like every weekend. And they're like pretty big deals. And so my dad goes to one Friday night and I get a picture Saturday morning. Guess who was my dad's cornhole partner Friday night? Satterfield. Taylor Swift. Dan Coe. Yeah, he loves the cornhole, man. He has the. They were partners. They were partners. Dan Coe, you know that. Yeah, they used to have these events at Dan Coe. You played at Dan Coe? They do like cornhole tournaments at Dan Coe. Yeah. Okay. So I guess they haven't been able to do the tournaments there this year or whatever. So the the folks, like, they have a whole team. Like, they got like 20 guys that show up in the Dan Coe like uniforms and it just so happened that uh danco and my dad were partners and eventually my dad was like do you know my son and danco's like joe was like who and he's like chad brendel and danco joe's like yeah yeah i know your son <laughs> like we're business partners and they had they they were partners in the tournament so yeah i thought that was I would have, that's something I would have talked about at the beginning of the show. Right. If, you know, my daughter didn't play volleyball. And we sucked. I hate my team. I hope they all die. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> it was a rough night. I, I didn't, I, I, I couldn't get him out of here quick enough. <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't get us out of here, Brent. Hey, shout out to Nico Joe. Love you. Big shout out there. Shout out to Quick Paper Supply Time Stamps. And shout out to our man, our man, Keegan Nickerson, for joining us. Thank you. Great job, Keegan. Fantastic debut of BP. But hey, for my guys, my pals, my partners, the OGs, the OGs. That's right. Aaron Smith, Chad Brennan, Ryan Royer. I am Brent Young. Yet again, another fantastic BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com. See ya!